Welcome to the MBP, the Micah Brown podcast, where I have the privilege of connecting you, my listeners, my audience, my friends with interesting people in an intentional way. I do that through two facets. One is I, I know that right now we, we tend to miss out on the relational aspect of being fellow human beings. A lot of times we'll address other people based on the statistics that they're mentioning or the facts that they're mentioning and miss the whole point is that we're two human beings interacting. So the way I approach that is through connecting with my guests first in a personal way. What obstacles have they overcome? What is their background like? What's their family like? What personal things are they engaged in right now so that you can better connect with them, relate with them, and understand where they're coming from? Maybe you have something in common. Who knows? We won't know until we ask, right? And then the second aspect of that is by getting into what interesting things are they doing? That could be in their professional life. That could be in something that they're just involved with outside of their typical nine to five job. Um, it could be any number of things. Maybe it's just something on the public stage. Nonetheless, those are the two sides of the same coin that make up a person. And I want to get into knowing more about each side of uh, that, that person that I get to have on the show, get to interview. I really appreciate you listening right now. Make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any great interviews that I have upcoming. And in addition to that, I want to thank you for supporting the podcast. If you want to continue to do so, you can, I'm going to have other ways coming up soon, but for now, by getting your free trial through audibletrial.com forward slash MBP, not only will you be supporting the podcast, but that gives you an easy opportunity to look up some of the books that we've mentioned on previous episodes, maybe some of the guests have mentioned, and listen to those for free for 30 days. I would strongly recommend you keep it because it's actually a really great resource to have um, anytime that you're driving or just doing something, maybe lawn care outside of your own home. Who knows what it is? But it's a great resource to have. So again, audibletrial.com forward slash MBP. And anytime you sign up for a free new account, that will support the podcast. So I thank you in advance for that. Finally, to some very specific people who have supported this podcast already. First, to Alvin Brown, who has helped set up this podcast, get it off the ground, get it going, and continues to support me behind the scenes. Second would be to the man, the myth, the legend who has created our music that we now use on this show, Isaiah Cruz. Phenomenal musician, even more phenomenal human being. And last but not least, I want to thank you to the sponsorship that Thelma's Treats has offered to the Micah Brown podcast. Guys, listen, here's the thing. Here's how this went down. I saw an ice cream sandwich and I thought that looks very delicious and it's super hot here in Austin, Texas. So what did I do? Like a normal sane human being, I bought the ice cream sandwich, ate it before I even made it to my car. I thought that's amazing. I need more of that in my life reached out to Thelma's and just said, hey, y'all make a fantastic product. I want more. Is there anything I can do to help you guys out? They said, just get the word out. I can't tell you how easy it is for me to tell you about Thelma's treats. If you need a good ice cream sandwich, if your kids need a good ice cream sandwich, if it's way too hot outside and you just need something to put a smile on your face, get yourself an ice cream sandwich. Treat yourself, as they say on Parks and Rec. That's all I got. Enjoy. On today's episode, I am interviewing Police Chief Greg Minton. 
Greg currently serves as the chief of police for the Leander Police Department. Greg was hired in 1995 as a reserve police officer and has spent his entire 22-year law enforcement career with the city of Leander. Over the past 22 years, Greg has promoted through the ranks, serving as corporal, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, assistant chief, and was appointed as the chief of police in 2012. While with the police department, Chief Minton has overseen many of the department's divisions and programs, including patrol, support services, criminal investigations, community services, animal services, the C-A-L-E-A, which is the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Program, the School Resource Officer Program, which you'll hear about on this episode, Regional SWAT Team and Police Administration. Greg holds a Master Peace Officer's License and has earned an Associate's Degree from Austin Community College, as well as a Bachelor's Degree from Texas State University. Greg is a firm believer in service first and promoting community involvement with the police department. Here's something from Greg himself, quote, two of my highest operational priorities are reducing crime and improving the quality of life for our citizens. I understand that building, cultivating, and maintaining the community's trust and developing community community partnerships are the key elements in our crime reduction efforts, and I'm committed to the ideals of, quote, partnership-based policing, which can only be accomplished by developing close working relationships with our neighborhoods and businesses, end quote. In Chief Mitten's recreational time, he enjoys driving his Jeep and camping with his wife of 22 years, that is Michelle, and their two children, Madison and Mason. Unfortunately, Greg is the only one without an M name as his first name. He also likes to watch Star Wars. Uh, You'll hear us get into that a little bit. Uh, We both enjoy Star Wars. So I hope you enjoy the show. Here we go. Chief Minton, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the Micah Brown podcast. How are you today? I'm doing outstanding. Thank you. Yes, sir. I know you you said you've been out. Have y'all been able to take any sort of road trip vacations with your family? I know you're taking time on your Jeep and going camping and stuff like that is a big deal for y'all. So have y'all been able to do that despite quarantine and COVID stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. We just got back from a a trip to, uh, to Mustang Island. Um, we just wanted to kind of get away before the uh, virtual schools, I guess, start here pretty soon. And, and, um, We've got one moving away, one kid moving away, one that's fixing to start his senior year. So we wanted to kind of get out and and uh, enjoy the beach a little bit, kind of get away from everything, go on a fishing trip. So we were able to to bring in some nice uh, uh, trout, and I got a pretty good size uh, nice. uh, Texas red. So that was my first time catching that. And and uh, but it was yeah, just kind of a, a vacation away from the the big city, if you will, and just to kind of uh, reset and get ready for uh, yeah. school year to start. So ironically, I've been to Mustang Island and uh, I've caught some, some reds myself. So I know exactly that feeling of, especially when you're used to like perch and sunfish around here, tiny little things. And then all of a sudden you go down there and you catch a big red. You're like, what in the heck? This is awesome. I I never, uh, I've never fought something that big, if you will. It was about 36 inches, I think 34, 36 inches fish. It was pretty, pretty good size, but uh, we've been catching trout. And then when that thing hit, my rod just started spinning and I couldn't reel it, you know, cause it was taken off and the guide we yeah, had said, <laughs> let it go, let it go. And then do this and that. And he was kind of telling me what to do. And, and then, uh, but all of a sudden the pole felt like it was uh, one of those little kids fishing poles. It just seemed like I couldn't get my yep. hands on it. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, finally when we got it into the boat, you know, it was, uh, it looks bigger always in the water, but you know, once it comes out, it was, oh, it was pretty impressive. I've never, 
had to fight uh, a fish like that because I am used to perch and small things like that. So it was different. Yeah, perch that you can reel in with one hand, you know. Yes. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> you, need, you need to survive from this. Come on. I, I fished off a pier. Um, my my friend Stephen, he had, his dad has a dock, and he's like, hey, I'm bored. You want to go fishing? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. <clears throat> and we were, we were fishing, mostly catching. We caught some bass, uh, which was cool, down at Lake Travis. And uh, the next thing we know, this alligator gar just cruises oh on gosh. by. And I was like, get anything. We got to catch that thing. We didn't catch it. Just spoiler alert. But it was very cool to see this gar just cruising like a submarine under the, the water, uh, probably two feet in length. It was, wow. it was gigantic. It was awesome. I'd love to catch one of those. That's kind of on my list of, of things. But, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I, I'll see them, but just can't get them sometimes. So. Yeah, if I had like a bow and arrow, I would have had better luck than with my fishing, <laughs> my fishing rod. <laughs> uh, Man, well, again, I appreciate you being on here. Um, yes, sir. I kind of what we talked about off the recording uh, is just the fact that relationships seem to be lost nowadays, and, and people aren't having, in my own words, a fruitful conversation about anything anymore. Uh, other than the people that they already were friends with and they already knew everything about or whatever. And so I really appreciate you having the willingness to, to step out and I guess with me, have a, have a new friendship, um, a yeah. new conversation. So thank you so much. I'd love no, to start. It. Yeah. I'd love to start with, uh, just your background as much or as little as you want to share. Um, sure. I do understand fully and I'll say it point blank that being police chief, there are some details about your life. You probably don't want people knowing, but I'll leave that up to you. Um, and just give us some background of, I guess, your career, uh, of yeah. your family, how you met your wife, kids, whatever. And sure. I'll, sure. I'll give you the floor. So, uh, some background. So basically I, I was born in, the, the Brownsville, Texas, moved up here when I was in San Antonio. Actually, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, uh, pretty much all my life. Uh, San Antonio was definitely interested, interesting because, you know, it was a lot larger city than, uh, uh, than where I'm currently, uh, working now in Leander. So, um, you know, nothing really uh, exciting about my, my youth. I was a typical teenager, you know, uh, had my fun with the police here and there. And uh, I didn't really think police were, were my friends uh, back then because, you know, they always seemed to catch me when I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. So just like most kids today, police. <laughs> yeah, it's just police. And, uh, 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 but, you know, we had a back even then in high school, we had an officer that actually worked the school and, and uh, you know, we did our, our fair share of skipping out and all that kind of good stuff and had a lot of one on one conversations with that gentleman and uh, and him trying to help bring us uh, uh, through through life and, and doing things probably a little bit better than we should have. But um, kind of from there, I went to community college um, uh, down in uh, San Antonio. Uh, my first, uh, I guess, uh, uh, job that I was looking to do was uh, become an architect. Uh, my uh, kind of a little bit of history before that is, is uh, I had a, uh, my family's law enforcement right now. I've got a lot of family in law enforcement, but uh, the, uh, the kind of the, the bad spot was I had a grandfather in 1965 who was killed in a, in a gunfight who was a deputy sheriff um, with the Scurry County Sheriff's Office. And then I also had a cousin uh, who was a trooper, uh, David Rucker, who was killed in 1981, pretty much the same month as my granddad was killed as far as 16 years apart. I mean, almost to the day. Um, so that kind of put a, a, a damper on, on police work. And it was something that I've always kind of wanted to do. But, uh, you know, my parents at that time, when you're 18, 19 years old, were just like, no, you're not doing that. You need to do something different. It's, that's not a good job to get into. 
Um, so, uh, so I started to go to school for drafting in high school. I did it in high school. And I remember I, I actually won a, a state competition for a drawing that I did. Um, but my drafting teacher told me, he goes, I don't know how you did it. You may have been the only entry in this whole thing, but you won your, you won this state division for your, your drafting project. And I don't know wow. how you did it. It's the worst project I've ever seen. And it really was. <laughs> Messy. A lot of confidence. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like, I didn't care what he had to say, but I was like, that was kind of the first sign of maybe this is not what I need to do. And he even said, maybe this isn't your line of work. So anyway, I wanted, I been wanting to do criminal justice for a while. And um, I wind up going to San Antonio college to uh, take some drafting classes, which I did terrible in because it wasn't my interest. You know, I had a lot of math in it with structural steel and engineering things. And I just really couldn't get my grasp. So I started, uh, I went over to a table where they had a uh, recruiting um, uh, event and there was a Texas trooper there and they were giving out applications for, uh, to sign up to be a, a trooper. So I took an application, I took it home, you know, left it in my car and then my dad found it. And of course he, you know, got all upset about it. And he said, you know, is this something you really want to do? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you need to just forget about it because it's just not, not worth it. You know, what, what it can do to you and your family in the future. Okay. So like most kids, you know, I rebelled a little bit and I started taking criminal justice classes without my parents knowing, didn't really show them my report cards. And so they finally found out that, you know, hey, this kid's taking CJ classes, but he's making Imagine that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Imagine them finding out. I mean, yeah, who knew just, that parents would know? Oh my gosh. They know everything, right? We think they're dumb, but they're not. And not uh, anyway, so just started taking that and, and just started taking those classes and, and then transferring eventually to Texas State. And then uh, um, I always say that once I got to Texas State, you know, I was still a young man and didn't, didn't really learn lessons as far as I didn't realize that you didn't have to be in class. You know, you just didn't have to show up. You just got a grade for, you know, turning your work. But uh, I tell my kids that I made the dean's list there, which was the one that kicked me out because I had uh, very poor grades uh, once I went there. I was spending too that much list. time down at the beach. I mean, at the, uh, the, the river, you know. Yep. Um, so, uh, wind up, uh, going back to ACC, getting my, uh, associates there. And then as a, uh, a married man with kids went back to school and was able to graduate at Texas state in 2009 with my bachelor's degree. Finally, it was more of a, just, you know, uh, a milestone just to kind of get it done. Um, also to just, you know, kind of probably show to my kids that it was, uh, it, you know, school's important and, and you need to finish what you started. Uh, and it's a lot different when you're paying the bills and your mom and dad aren't signing checks that you want to get good grades. Yes. Yeah, uh, for sure. That point. So, but uh, other than that, um, I started in Leander uh, in uh, 1995 as a reserve officer. So I moved here. Uh, I, I was working uh, through that process. I was working for Sam's club. Um, uh, I've been with Sam's club right out of high school and uh, my mom dropped me off at a job trailer and said, Hey, you just graduated. So you need a job. So there you go. So I was able to push uh, carts for a little while, but I, uh, through that process, uh, I transferred up here to Austin, started, uh, uh, work and, um, uh, was looking to, once I graduated and was able to, to become a peace officer, I got hired on at Leander in 1995 as a, as a reserve officer, which basically means you get, uh, you do police work without getting paid. You just kind of do your time is what we call it, uh, there. And, and, uh, it was kind of a culture shock for me because, um, moving from San Antonio and being an inner city kid and moving out to Leander back in 95, there was about, uh, 3000 people here. So, um, it was odd for me because I was able to, you know, the way the cops were in the bigger cities and the way the cops were here were just so different. 
And uh, I realized that relationships were, were so important um, even back then, because as the only officer on the street back in the early 90s, you depended a lot on your community to help, even if you wanted to have dinner, you know, I went to eat dinner in people's houses, you know. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's after 25 years, you know, I never had uh, thought that I would be a chief of police. That wasn't my goal. Uh, it just kind of happened through, uh, through just wanting to stay with the department and just grow with the department. And, and uh, so, like I said, I'm looking at my 25th year was this, uh, this past month. And I kind of look back and just realize, you know, wow, how, uh, how fast that's gone. But um, uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I know there's probably a ton of rabbit trails I can go down and, and, and with that, but that's just kind of the, I guess the, the uh, cliff notes version of, of my background. Yeah. How, how long have you been married? You, you told me before this, but oh, I'm sorry. So yeah, I've been married uh, 22 years uh, to my wife, Michelle. I met her at work uh, at Sam's uh, when go. we were there together. So, uh, um, uh, and we've been married ever since we have two, I so said, we have two children, uh, Madison and Mason 19 and Madison's 19 and, and in college and Mason is uh, 17 and uh, in his last year of uh, high school. So we'll be uh, here in the next couple of years, we'll be empty nesters. So, I told my wife, this is why old men can buy Corvettes, because once their kids are all gone, uh, you get an instant raise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, from all the things you have to buy over the last, you know, 20 years in college and everything else. So kind of kind of, be nice. Yeah, I, I'm even thinking about right now, because we're, we're still in the baby stage with Lily, and uh, I'm thinking, man, we're going to have this lull in costs for a little bit until they get old enough, both of the girls get old enough to where they know how to daddy i really need this you know yeah, that sort of stuff yeah right now charlotte's like daddy i need this toy i'm like girl you have about 50 toys in your bed alone and i, I keep trying 51. to pull them out yeah exactly so <laughs> i'm not looking nope. forward to the teenage stage but that's what i taught in middle school so i i feel like i'm a little bit more ready for that than i am the stage i'm in currently right now i'm still kind of guessworking everything um, and it's it's an interesting time now i've learned to, to appreciate my parents even more i talk to them all the time and and uh you know i said my mom taught uh, she was a teacher for 30 something years my dad worked in a service industry and in a, in a, in a uh, for auto parts for for the same amount of time but you know two hard-working people but you know i didn't realize how much sacrifice they put up with uh with me and then my sister who came 11 years after that um just you know, what a parent was and how being a, a parent, how, uh, how challenging it can be. It's, it's rewarding. Don't get me wrong, but it's, uh, the challenges of it. And, you know, I, I can remember when, when my kids were your kid's age and, and my wife was like, Hey, we need to buy this swing set for the kids. And it was like two or 300 bucks. And I'm like, yeah. I could buy a pistol with this, or I could buy something <laughs> for me. You know, Every, and, everything you start equating it to, you're like, that actually equals this in my life. So how about yeah, we use that? <laughs> It's all about them. So it's good times. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I'm, one of the things Elizabeth, I've told her, I'm like, there are a lot of stressors that I can't deal with. Like I, I just prefer to not worry about them. But the one that will motivate me more than anything is like knowing that my, my girls are all good. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that includes my wife. So my wife, both my daughters, if y'all are good, I'm good. I, I can handle whatever. It's not a big deal. But if something's bothering you, I, I can't, not do anything like that's my biggest motivation i'm like i'll take the brunt of the force as long as i know i'm the only one dealing with it yeah i'm but the same way yeah it just I think we're the rocks or they see us as i feel like i got to be the rock you know and 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 all those yeah. situations and 
And, uh, you know, many times I've had my kids tell me, oh, I need you to be my dad and not a cop, you know, uh, in this, I just need you to listen and not try to fix it, you know, so I'm having yeah. to learn those things too. <laughs> I want to yeah. fix everything that there's a problem, I want to fix it, you know, right I, in there. I mentioned this in, in one of our original podcasts, um, talking about communication and, and I'll just straight up ask Elizabeth, like, hey, bef- before we go any further, do you just want me to be here? and just sympathize with you or are you looking for responses and some sort of answer or solution to whatever it is going on? And we've gotten so comfortable in that it's very easy for her to be like, I just need you to listen. Okay, cool. Then that way I know to just flip that part of my brain off. And later when you ask, Hey, can you help me figure this out? Yeah, sure. So how long you guys been married? Uh, we've been a whole whopping five years. So you learned something in five years. It's taken me 20 something to learn because (laughs) You're way ahead of the game, so you may avoid some of those knockdown dragouts uh, just with that knowledge right there. So that is gold. I my appreciate friend. that. I appreciate that. <laughs> we uh, there's a reason, and you probably see it behind me, but this uh, Wonder Woman poster, the the other side is the Captain America poster. Those are the only two like funny things in our rooms, but um, we we have that over her side of bed, the Wonder Woman poster, and it definitely fits. She she's a, a rock star. Uh, even when I was down with COVID, she just ran this thing like a tight ship. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. So I, I definitely my kids have... hate when my wife's gone for a week, you know, <laughs> somewhere for a week. And it was kind of like, you know, military style, you know, eating, uh, you know, make it, you know, and when they got home, they're like, when's mom going to be home? When's mom going to be home? And they realized when she's gone, how much she actually uh, controls and, and, and keeps the uh, dynamic, the glue kind of together. Cause I think I'm more like daddy boot camp, you know, than, uh, than mom when mom's here. So yeah, they, that's, that's true, man. I'm, I'm the same household. I, I got a wonder woman here too. Love that. It's, I just had this picture of like you with your kids at the table. You don't get to look up while you eat, just eat your food, eat your yeah, food, eat, stare eat, at your pot, <laughs> stare at that cereal, eat it. All Pretty right. Close. Well, I, I would love to jump to the next question. This is the one yeah. that I ask everybody that is on the show um, I just find it to be a very deeper question helps us to like really know who somebody is. What obstacles or events in your life have most shaped your character or who you are as a person and how? So when we talk about obstacles, uh, I kind of got two things uh, as far as events. So, um, you know, I think, I think life's full of obstacles, you know, there's always going to be something in our way that's trying to prevent us from doing something or keep us from doing something. And I yep. think, you know, uh, we, where we are today is because we've been able to persevere through those things. So, you know, a lot of obstacles um, that, uh, that I had even growing up and even in, uh, in uh, work, you know, today, and I'll start just kind of growing up was just, you know, one, obviously the story I told earlier about my parents, you know, trying to keep me from uh, um, really one, not keeping me, but not really wanting me to do what I kind of felt like, um, you know, my heart was leading me to do, um, and, and, and taking some of those things and actions and, and, and changing to, to kind of, to, to get where I'm at today, you know, um, because, you know, I think one thing I've learned from that is just, you know, even with my kids and the things that they want to do in life is, you know, if we're going to sit in a chair somewhere for 30 years of our life, we, we got to make sure we're doing what we want to do and, uh, not what somebody else wants us to do, because I think we all have a gift inside of us. And, and what God gives us is, is a gift to say, hey, this is what I need you to do or I want you to be part of. And, and when we, can, we stifle that gift, then we're kind of stifling what, what, what our purpose is and what we're meant, meant to do. Um, 
so you know i've been pretty lucky i mean i think like you know when when uh, there's probably been plenty of things in my life that i've wanted to do you know and and something came along and kind of changed that but i think those are doors that open and doors that close uh for for reasons um when we talk about uh events you know there, i've had a few events in in my in my personal career that kind of shaped some things you know one just growing up and being a young man in, in san antonio and just uh, dealing with uh, police officers there during that time. Um, you know, I, I've had a few that have uh, probably been a little less friendly um, that kind of made my opinion of police different. Uh, I've had a few that actually pulled me aside and had the, the dad conversation about what I need to do with my life to make things better. And, uh, you know, whether you listen or not, you know, I, I, sometimes I would listen, sometimes I wouldn't. Um, but, uh, um, you know, I, those kind of things. And then even in my career in, in 1997, you know, I was out working a, uh, a, a uh, uh, an accident where there was some girls from Brownwood who were uh, driving while intoxicated. They got in a wreck, they flipped the car and uh, um, they were, they were hurt. Nobody died. Thank goodness from that. But I was out there working this, uh, this wreck with a few people and um, we had barricades, we had flares up and everything like that. And uh, we had, a, I had a truck come through that barricade and I, at the time my my wife was able to ride out with me was uh, with me and that truck came through the barricade and it slammed into the back of my car and in between my car and that truck was me and uh, my wife thank god i was able to push her out of the way but i was stuck in between these cars i, I had a pretty bad uh, leg injury from that and um uh, um but you know thank god i didn't lose my leg or anything like that but i had three months sitting on a couch just trying to Goodness. you know soul search and if this is kind of what I, I wanted to do or if this is where you know i needed to be and and uh it kind of made me think of a few things is one is uh <clears throat> you know at the time i was probably still a, a baby christian just walking through and that kind of brought some solidification to hey i need to make myself right and, and get get more involved in, in my church number one number two at the time i needed to get an education and get my degree and motivated me to get that because if I couldn't be a cop anymore, what was I going to do? And, uh, uh, and number three is, you know, just to, uh, uh, you know, what, what could have been done differently, you know, that would have kept me from, from, from being in that situation. So, um, you know, kind of those things that kind of molded just as it kind of got me on this path of just, you know, except getting, getting, uh, more involved back with my church. And then number two, just like I said, uh, more making sure I, ha I had a, a, a backup plan uh, into this. But um, sorry, and uh, kind of had another thought kind of going, but I kind of fleeted on that one. So, You're good. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, also on that, and, and I want to go back to another event too. It's just something that kind of where I am at today is, is a, uh, I said earlier that I worked at uh, that Sam's Club, and you know one of the things that Sam's Club taught back then, and they still kind of do it now, which we all hear this word is just customer service, you know. And I had some incidences back then, just uh, uh, working there as a young man, just uh, having some people come along and kind of teach me about, you know, what that really means when we talk about customer service and 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 and, and dealing with with people. And uh, one of those things that even today, after 25 years of working at Leander, you know, I've I brought those same uh, philosophies from that I got from Sam's Club, you know, up to what we deal with in law enforcement, um, and and in the customer service aspects is just how to how to treat people, and I think that's just probably one of the one of the things that's been successful for for myself and, and even our department is just preaching that concept on a constant basis of what it looks like um, to uh, 
to uh, uh, to how to treat people and what you what you need to do as a uh, uh, as an officer uh, when you're dealing with, with with people in the community. So um, I know it probably went all over the place again, and I'm sorry. You know, I've got probably a thousand thoughts of just some of those things. Um, uh, but uh, is there anything? And maybe there's something specific I can answer for you that may help jog that memory on something better than some of those things. No, I, I mean, it's your story. So it, there's yeah. not really a wrong answer. It's, it just is, you know? Yeah, no. Uh, and, and I feel like I'm rambling on some of that. It's just, you know, it, it, when I look at just some of those things, I mean, it seems like, you know, there's, there's, you know, you don't realize a lot of these things that you've had these obstacles or challenges in your life are significant until later on. I think when you, when you can look back and you use those examples with your kids, you know, you'll come up with it on the fly of like, well, this happened to me, you know, just even my own interaction with, with the police in San Antonio. And I always use that. It's just kind of like, I want to be a different kind of cop than, than, uh, uh, than the officers that maybe I dealt with, even the officers in the school, we've had some good ones and bad ones. And when I was an SRO at Leander high school, I was like, I want to be, I want to be a different kind of cop than the one I dealt with and, and with these kids. And uh, unfortunately, you know, with high school kids, you're not as, you're not the cool guy anymore, like you are in middle school and elementary, but, you know, it's a little bit different relationship. But I wanted to, to I guess, not just be the officer that they see, but to be a, a person like what we're doing this interview with, just a person that they could come uh, to talk with and, and uh, you know, if they had issues to, to not be fearful of, but, you know, just see me as another guy, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. With that, with that car incident, the, um, the truck that, that yeah. pinned you, you said you did a lot of soul searching in those three months. What was that process like for you? I mean, what, obviously your, your end result was to continue being a police officer. Um, but what was kind of that, that three month period like for you? You know, it's, it was just, you went through this emotional cycle of one of just anger at first, you know, that I can't believe this happened to me. I can't believe that, you know, this is me. I'm the one sitting in this, uh, on this recliner for the next 90 days on trying to heal, heal, because I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't sit still. I've got to be moving. And this kind of forced me to, to do that. It kind of forced me to, to learn not to, that I had to be dependent on other people, which I was really bad at because I always want to do things myself. Cause I think back then I was 25 years old, 26 or 27 years old. Um, so everything uh, is on you. You want to do it all. <laughs> I want to do it by myself. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. I didn't, you know, um, at the time, uh, then, um, my wife was, was my fiance and, you know, she was having to care for me and I couldn't stand it because I just wanted to do it myself. You know, I was angry at, uh, at God for putting me there in that situation, you know, putting me, uh, uh, you know, in that chair and, and, you know, I was kind of angry at the person that did it, even though it wasn't intentional. I know he, it was a total accident, you know, that I was angry at him. And I just kind of went through this anger uh, portion of it because here I was, you know, just trying to start my career off and now I'm already hurt. And what are the, what am I going to have to see? Because once they were saying, when the swelling goes down, we can do MRIs and see if we're going to need to do surgery or what we're going to have to do. And, and my wife, who's always been my spiritual rock was like, well, we need to pray about it. I'm like, what's that going to do? You know, it's just, yeah, that's not medicine. Get out of medicine. here. <laughs> We're not going to fix this with prayer. And, and she's like, you know, well, you know, it's, that's a good start. And, and uh, so, you know, just, just sitting there, just thinking about that. And then also thinking about, you know, I had, uh, I was going to ACC and I was kind of taking the classes I could and then just kind of made me think too, what am I going to do if I can't do this work? You know, am I going to go back to Sam's? Am I going to go, you know, sell cars? I mean, what skill set do I have? Because I just kind of feel like, 
this was my skill set. You know, I felt like I was really good at what I was, what I, what I did. And, you know, and then, you know, you start thinking about people that are going to move past you and promote past you and, and things like that. So I think just, uh, it just kind of brought it into perspective of just, you know, going through that anger, then kind of acceptance and then realization of, you know, Hey, I, I need to, what if I, you know, what if I was killed right then, then how is this going to, how's this going to work with Michelle and, and uh, am I right with, with God and, and, and what I'm doing, you know, do I, I mean, I really was kind of a, you know, went to church when it was convenient, which I always say it's, that's Christmas and pretty Easter, right. you know, biannually. <laughs> yeah, we have to do this. But, uh, um, but, uh, you know, at, at that time, even my, for my wife and I, you know, I grew up Catholic. She grew up Pentecostal. I grew up with, you know, um, kneeling and, and everybody quiet. And she grew up with people swinging from the rafters. <laughs> Those so, are very in, different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> yes. So we had to kind of find that, uh, that, that kind of made us talk about, you know, finding that happy medium and looking for a, what I call a Bible church. And, and that kind of shaped us into looking at a few churches that eventually um, we've kind of moved around to, to the satellite churches, but Hill Country Bible Church uh, Northwest was kind of the, the compromise because it was, wasn't one or the other. And uh, so it kind of, kind of molded us into that, uh, in, into kind of pushing us and saying, okay, we need to, we need to get some, some uh, financial things situated. So if something happens to me, you're taken care of, like you said earlier. And two, you know, we need to start going to church and, and building that relationship with, uh, with, uh, with the man upstairs, first of all number one, and then also building relationships with other people, because, you know, at that time, the only people I had around me were other cops. And uh, um, that's the only unfortunate thing about law enforcement is a lot of times you just start building relationships with just cops, and not people outside of the profession. So, um, so yeah, just sitting there for a while just kind of got me, uh, uh, you know, like I said, went through anger, and then back to just kind of like, okay, what, how do I get out of this and, and this funk? And, uh, you know, and then we started going back to church and, and just, you know, kind of getting everything situated for the future, if you will. Yeah. A couple of things you, you mentioned there, one a little bit more light. Um, I actually went to Hill country for school in sixth grade. Oh, wow. Uh, So I I know that campus very well. And the church that we went to is actually right next door to y'all. Um, it's now called expressions church, but it was church of the Hills for a long time. And then we were there until we moved away to plant a church off of that one. Um, not my parents. We were just one of the original families, but anyway, the other thing you mentioned, and I I think this can apply to a broader spectrum of people. So that's why I want to bring it up is you said that usually in police force, all of your friends are other police officers. And I feel like that's not uncommon based on whatever your profession is. Um, it's, it's usually kind of a proximity thing where who am I around every day? Who am I basically living life with because you're with them for so many hours usually more than your own family sometimes um so it makes sense but i guess just what what are your thoughts on like what motivated you to think i need to have friends outside of the police force what was that was that a thought process or oh yeah absolutely and and, you know this is something there's a there's a class that came out which again i wish they would have had when i was an officer at the beginning of my career it's called emotional survival for law enforcement because right now we're you know going through my career we didn't have peer support we didn't have people you could talk to about you know some of the things you experience and things like that and and one of the things you know they talk about is the used to be cops the guys that used to be you know they ask you what are your hobbies and you say camping and fishing and uh, uh, you know uh, shooting and all these things yeah. and I said well, what's the last time you did that and they're like well 
I used to go, I used to, I used to do these things. And it was like you call used to be's because you don't do them anymore because law enforcement can be so consuming. But, you know, one of the things they talk, tell you about is you've got to get friends outside of that circle because unfortunately you get a bunch of cops in the same room and what do they talk about on their day off? Work. Everything's about work. This call, this and this and this. And they yep. never really get to make yep. that break away from and, and again like you said this could be in any profession but it, but from the law enforcement perspective you're always talking about that call or that situation and then some of that some of that can just be that constant negativity about some of the things you deal with um, you know it's either talking about admin which now I'm admin so you know they I guess they talk about us too and and uh, uh, but in that class they're like you need to find people outside your circle to be able to talk about other things other than um, police work so the next problem is, is when you start finding friends outside the circle, because you're the cop in the circle, everybody wants to tell you about their ticket or how they were picked on or how this officer did this or that. And they want to talk about your work. They want to so talk about your work. You you're know? trying to not talk about work and they're yeah. bringing it back up. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, when, when, we, when we made this commitment to say, okay, we got to get some friends outside of work. Uh, here and that's even officers wives because officers wives hang out with other officers wives um and they talk about work too um was like getting my kids involved in sports and getting my kids involved like my son i got him into scouting so we started venturing into the scouting world and and venturing into the the sports world and then and then with church you know we we did the one thing that cops hate to do is sit around and talk about their feelings right is to get in life groups at church so we got in some uh, life groups at church and and uh started cultivating relationships there which now i've got a, a vast amount of friends that have nothing to do with work um and it's funny because we've already gone through all those uh, questions about, well, have you ever done this? Have you ever shot somebody? Have you ever been in a pursuit? When's, when's the craziest thing you've ever seen? You know, those kind of things. It's like, I really don't want to dredge up some of the worst things I've ever seen, you know, a group of church people, but we've gotten beyond those things. And now we just hang out, you know, the, the camping trip I just went on or with some friends that aren't cops at all. And, and uh, uh, it was nice because they know me, they've known me for so long. They don't even talk about it. They don't even bring it up. So I, yeah. I think that's been important because I've been able to kind of detach from what I do at work and truly go on a vacation where I talk about fishing. We talk about our kids and that's the common bond we have is kids and, and just because all our kids are the same age. So, um, so I just think it's, it's important to always have some friendships outside of what you do every day, but it's, you know, it's also good. I mean, I'm friends with all the chiefs in the, in the area um, saying we do have, we go out to dinner and, and, uh, we, we always vow, we're not going to talk about, uh, work and it always somehow, somehow comes back to work, but, <laughs> but a lot of it's comparisons of like, Hey, how are you handling this? Or are you doing all right with this? Or how do y'all do this? So it's a lot of networking as well. So I was going to um, say, it's probably more like the personal side of work. Like how is work affecting you as a person? It is because being a chief's different, you know, than being, you know, you're, I always say you're a cop first and you're a, a, a chief second because you're, you're always a cop, but you're not a patrolman. So there being a chief is kind of lonely because, you know, you really can't complain to anybody up because the next person up is your boss. And you really, you, you really can't complain down because that's all your subordinates and your workers and they don't want to hear you whine. So it's good to try to find people like other chiefs to be able to bench things off of and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. How do you handle it? Even through all of this issues that we were dealing with, with COVID-19 and, and all the civil unrest, you know, we, all the chiefs called each other and just were like, Hey, how's it going? How y'all doing? Is there something you need? 
and just kind of that moral support for one another and, and uh, to make sure, you know, nobody's because a lot of times you're, you're the only man standing up there, you know, having an answer for all these things. So it's kind of a tough place to be. That kind of reminds me of uh, like a pastor at a church, you know, and of course there's like the, the spiritual hierarchy, like, well, he can go to God, that kind of thing. But yeah. it, I've heard the same exact verbiage used from pastors that I know where they say it's a really lonely place to be yeah. because everybody dumps everything on you. But then where do you go? You yeah. know, if you have an issue, you don't go talk to your friend who's in community group because they see you as the pastor. So yeah. how are you supposed to? And l- luckily at our church, we have elders that all support each other. And uh, there's there's three of them. And one of them is our head pastor. And they kind of did that intentionally because they wanted to support him. Uh, it's just one of the little facets. But I've, I've heard that. And I, I have a lot of sympathy for leaders. Um, I remember even when Obama got elected, uh, one of the criticisms, this is related, so I'm not, not going out of I left field into polit- politics, but uh, when Obama was elected, <clears throat> I remember people started criticizing him saying, oh, he said he was going to pull the troops out and now he's adding more troops in and all that. And I, I said, you know, I, I personally didn't vote for him, but like, I got to cut him some slack. Like who knows what he found out once he was in office, exactly. who knows what pressures he's under once he got into office. Like, show some compassion of maybe, maybe he found out some secret information that unless you're president, you just don't know about. Right. Um, And I've just had that mentality sense of like, you never know what like a CEO of a company is doing right now. I mean, Elizabeth works for Facebook and we hear things on the news about how Mark Zuckerberg is the spawn of Satan in some capacities. (laughs) And then in other capacities, he's this awesome philanthropist who's doing these great deeds and then I'm, I'm sitting there listening to his like uh, town hall meetings, his weekly forums or whatever. And I'm like, he sounds like a normal guy. I don't understand. Yeah. Sure. Maybe, maybe he makes some, some tough calls that people are really upset about. Welcome to being a CEO, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I just, I have a lot of sympathy uh, for police chiefs as well. Like the, the deal, the issues that y'all are having to face right now are pretty tough. And we'll get to that in a minute. I'd love yeah. to know who inspires you the most and, and just how it, it could be a, quick answer but just who inspires you yeah i mean you know one one of the things i mean you know that still inspires me are are my parents for for one uh both of them like i said were were hardworking uh individuals um they didn't let anything get in their way that you know when there was an issue they'd work around it you know my mom worked in uh the uh, school district for for 30 plus years and just giving and she worked in i guess they call them title one schools now Uh, she worked in probably one of some of the poorest schools in san antonio and just poured out her heart to people and really instilled us, you know, about servitude and, 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 and serving others before yourself and putting those first, you know, and, and I have to say probably, you know, second of all would be my, uh, uh, the, uh, my, my chief previous to me and my assistant chief previous to me were, were two, um, gentlemen who worked for the Texas Department of Public Safety, both worked for the Ranger Division, put long prestigious careers in with DPS, but, you know, they, they kind of, uh, uh, inspired and took me and put me under their wing and taught me a lot of life lessons about, you know, that got me to the position I'm in today. Like I said, I wasn't trying to get here. It's just, they, they just took their time and in, in raising me up when uh, the chief that I had when I started was probably one of those chiefs that shouldn't be a chief at the time. Um, uh, and these guys kind of came in and kind of just instilled uh, a lot of things in me that I think that have to uh, be in a young man at the time uh, that I still use today, you know, so um so those probably the, the people that inspire me the most. 
That's still incredible. inspire me because I still talk to them. So all of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whenever um, the person who first asked me the question of what obstacles or events in your life has most shaped you, um, I mentioned just being raised by my parents because they're, they're two sides of the same coin. One is about the knowledge of the Bible. The other is the application of the Bible. And one's about yeah. being a man and being responsible and how to be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, do it. And then my mom is the one who's like, here's how you build relationships. Here's how you talk with people, that sort of thing. So I, I can definitely resonate with that. That's awesome. <clears throat> this next question is uh, <laughs> by nature morbid, um, but it's something that I've, I've always been interested in for myself as a guiding, uh, guiding light, a guidepost. If you died tomorrow, what do you hope people say about you when you're gone? So if you could somehow write the speech or the, I can't remember what it's called, but whenever somebody gets up into eulogy, if you could write the eulogy for yourself, what do you wish that people would say about you? Yes. Yeah, so it's funny. We, we always joke about this. When we hear a eulogy, it's like they always say the good things, right? About somebody. <laughs> and yep. They would say the crazy stuff about them <laughs> and, and stuff. But, you know, I, I would hope, you know, it, you know, one thing that uh, I went to a training class. Oh, gosh, it was probably 10 years ago that talked about legacy, right? Never really thought about my legacy or what would my legacy be if, if something happens, you know, and I look at it kind of different as personal and professional. So, you know, uh, and, and they intertwine a little bit as well. But, you know, I hope that, you know, personally, as far as if I died tomorrow, that, you know, that my friends and family saw that I, that I, that I was a caring individual, that, uh, that I had a heart to, 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 uh, to serve and, and um, that I was a, you know, a good man that was a, a provider for, for my family and, and uh, that I raised, you know, my kids uh, to be, you know, productive citizens. And, and, uh, and as far as in even professionally, it's just that, um, you know, cause it, I'm at the 25th year. I don't know. I mean, 30 years is usually where cops retire. So, um, and uh, you know, I started thinking about that even more the other day. It's, it's, you know, I want people to look back and just say, Hey, he did a great thing. He brought this uh, agency up to a uh, to, to the better best that it's ever been in the community um, that he you know was a uh, a man that uh, built bridges and not built walls um, that if there was a wall he climbed over it to to try to uh, to try to mend those things so you know I'm I personally inside of me I, I I take a lot of things personal even when there's a tax in our department for certain things that aren't true. Um, you know, and I try to fix them. That's probably, uh, uh, like we talked about earlier, but you know, I just, I just want people to look back and just kind of say, you know, he, he, he did the best he could with what he had, but he was, but he, but he cared in the end because I, you know, I've got, you know, of course I love my family and I've got, you know, 80 people at my building that I can't say that all of them probably like me. There's probably a few that, but I just want them to feel like, Hey, we may not like what he does or decision that he makes, but he was fair about what he did and he truly cared about the us and he cared about our families as well. So, um, that's kind of what I hope, you know, people, people can look back and see that, you know, that the department was, is a better place. And it scares me because, you know, you always think you can do it the best. And, you know, at some point I got to hand those keys over to somebody else. And, and I don't want to look back five years and, and see a department that's going backwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I just hope people just look back and just say, Hey, he, he was, you know, like people want to be called the best president ever. You know, when you hear that is I hope they look back and say, he's one of the best chiefs we've ever had, you know? Yeah. That's great. Especially the part about being fair. Cause even as we were just talking about being in a, in a leadership role, 
you're you're stuck between deciding between two just terrible options sometimes yeah. uh, or or two great options but the problem is people are really they cling on to one really great option or the other so if you pick one you're automatically like i don't know dismissing those that were on board with the other options so that that's tough but i i do appreciate the fact that you're like i just hope they they remember that i was fair at least that's yeah. what i'm aiming for well, I think that's just key because it's, you know, there's, like you said, we all have personal opinions on, on what we, what, how we feel about certain things, but, you know, being able to look at something objectively and say, okay, even though I feel this way, my, my opinions pulling me to this, but the right thing to do is this, you know, I always tell my officers, I tell my kids, sometimes it's hard to do the hard right. And that's going the direction that you should go because you have the power or you have the, uh, you know, authority as a parent or an officer to do this the right thing to do is to do this. And even though it may not be the most popular or you may not want to do that because your soul is telling you, I really want to do this. You need to take that path. And, and, uh, and I think that's the hardest thing to do, you know, but, I, but that comes back to that fairness is it's the right thing to do. Oh yeah. Um, one of the, the thing, one of the best compliments that my dad never gave me, uh, he told my wife, not me, <laughs> it was that uh, on our wedding day, he told Elizabeth, he was like, I, I can't remember the exact words, of course, but he said, one thing I know about Micah is that when the chips are down, he makes the right call. Yeah. And what we've had to deal with recently is what about when the chips aren't down? Like, it's not as clear to me and my personality and the way my brain works, which way we're supposed to go. It's like, oh, now we're comfortable. What do we do? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what we're supposed to be doing. So that's uh, that's been a very interesting navigation for us as a family because that's actually what led me to doing the podcast. Elizabeth said, you know, you've made sacrifices for our family. Do something you want to do. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's much easier to know what I have to do. So I, <laughs> again, I, I feel you. I feel you on those, yeah, those decision-making all through, you know, my career, you know, I always say I, I've been uh, given orders to do things. And, you know, even to the point of when I wake up, I wear the same clothes every day. It's, I go to my, yep. there's a uniform and when I'm off for a week, I'm like, what do I do? I got to find clothes to last for five days because I'm used to wearing a blue polyester uniform every single day. And then, you know, then you become the chief and now it's opposite because no one's really giving you orders. You're having to give them. And, uh, you're yeah. kind of, like you said, when things are going good, it's like, you know, I, I'm used to dealing with chaos and trauma and it's like, I work real well into those kind of things. Cause it's like getting things done. But when everything's running smooth, it's like, like you said, you're kind of like, what do we do? How do we make it better? You know, <laughs> what now? <laughs> yeah. It's easier when there's something crazy going on. Like you said, the chips are down. Yeah. So a, a little bit lighter question here, but equally as important as all the other ones we'll get to. I saw on your Facebook that clearly a Star Wars fan you are. And if I could do an, oh a gosh. Yoda accent, I would have done it there. But that's not one that I've <laughs> mastered yet. Uh, and now I told you I, I wouldn't be roasting you in this interview, but I have yep. to know of the three segments of the Star Wars saga, the original three, episodes one through three, and I guess the, the Disney trilogy with Rey. Which three are your least favorite? Let's get some, let's get some uh, dissension among the okay. audience here. Which ones are the least favorite of yours and why? So I, I, when I saw that question, I had a, I, what came to mind like real quick was, and, and this is actually going to kind of intermix the two, but when The Phantom Menace came out, um, awesome movie, Darth Maul, oh my gosh, this guy was awesome. And then they had to kill it with Jar Jar Binks. 
me some want me some me some <laughs> stuff whatever he said that was the 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 uh the killer in that show was having it and, and i know the the, the wait, purpose... wait wait so you're saying that jar jar binks was the phantom menace yeah i think the he was secret. more than just a phantom's menace I think he was... <laughs> yeah he shouldn't even been in the movie but i i have a hard time even choking that down watching that when he's his scenes come on because it's like i know this is supposed to be more for kids and adults but it's like come on what is yep. this guy? You know, he's like the sidekick that nobody wants around. And uh, so, yeah, so Jar Jar is not my favorite uh, person. And when you tell people Jar Jar is not your famous uh, favorite person, guess what you get? A lot of, uh, I, I got a lot Hate. of t-shirts and well, oh, yeah. No, I got oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> bobbleheads and things of Jar Jar Binks. So um, even my son, who's a, who's also a Star Wars fan, uh, would agree with me that Jar Jar is kind of like, blah, on that. So, um the second one, and, and this is more of a personal one, it's it's one of the newer ones. It's The Force Awakens, and I was, like, traumatized when Solo was killed by his son. Oh my Spoiler God. alert. Goodness. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> you hadn't seen it, but... I'm sure there's, scene, like, a statute of limitations where you can, like, actually mention spoilers. Like, you've had plenty yes. of time. Okay. You can I, go watch uh, it. I was watching that. Of course, watching it for the first time, and when that happened, I was, like, walked out of the movie angry. Cause I'm like, I can't believe out of all this guy who's been through all these things and he's going to go out like that, you know, his son's going to take him out. And I was like, uh, I, I can't, I don't even want to watch it again just because it's just so, I'm just, uh, I'm just, just imagining like, all right, chief Minton, what brings you into counseling today? What happened on the job? Um, so I saw the force awakens yeah. and uh, I just can't cope with it. <laughs> Yeah, of all the things that's what did it yeah it's just uh, solos was probably it was well he's one of my top two favorites and and uh, uh he yeah it just i don't know to me he should have went out in a in a uh, uh a starfighter battle or some explosion or something not, oh yeah not something soon, honorable but, yeah, yeah but you know i blame it on disney right um yeah uh and then the other one i kind of goes back was uh, revenge of the sith so that's kind of when that whole, you know, you kind of see the Anakin um, turn and uh, that was just kind of like, you know, there was so many things that just, you know, I, I know how the movie, you know, it's like watching the Alamo, you know, how it's going to end, no matter what you do, it's not going to change. And you kind of see the path of where Anakin's going and, and him changing and just the miscommunication and how he's being tricked. And, you know, that kind of starts the whole Vader thing, but uh yeah that was probably the other one and it's not really that's not my least favorite i actually enjoy it it's just i, I hate because that's where it all starts the change uh, yeah and going over so he should have just uh, stayed a pod pod car or what is it pod, pod, pod racer, racer. Yeah. yeah but no i'm i'm a huge fan you know that's uh it's funny because i use a lot of quotes um uh from the older movies that my 20 uh, something year old officers have no idea like i had one of them uh we did the uh chewbacca roar and they looked at us like we're crazy and, and we <laughs> talked about the millennium falcon and millennium falcon and they're like what is that and i'm like you need to go home and watch these movies so you get my jokes yeah. uh, <laughs> your uh, orders for today are to yes, go watch, watch those the movies <laughs> but no i remember in when it came out my mom who was a teacher let me skip school and got me in to see it uh, we we stood in a, a line that was wrapped around the theater um, and I remember just watching it for the first time and just when they all came out, it was just one of those just crazy times and it was so much fun because it was just, you know, we watched it. I think I watched the, uh, a new hope seven times, you know, and, uh, uh and now it's on DVD or Blu-ray, whatever you want to call streaming. it. Streaming. Now. now it's streaming. streaming. Yeah. I'm on sorry. Disney I'm Plus. 
you can watch them all. You got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, I need to. But I, I still enjoy them. You know, the right now we're watching uh, The Mandalorian, and uh, I love Boba Fett. You know, That's I think fantastic. That was the one guy that you didn't get to see a whole lot of, and I just love the whole story of The Mandalorians and – and uh, so I think that's great. I haven't really got into the cartoons yet, the Clone Wars. Um, uh, my sons watch those, and, and I guess I just haven't really committed to those. But I'm, um, I'm hoping there's a lot more that comes out. Um, you know, uh, I think it's just neat. You know, uh, Rogue One was cool to kind of see the before and kind of learn. You know, even Solo, that was kind of a weird movie. But at least you kind of got to see where he came from and kind of his background yeah. and how, how all that happened. So. I completely agree about Solo. That was, it yeah. wasn't my favorite movie, but like I was okay with it, you know? Yeah. Just kind of get the back backstory of some of these people. Cause you can read the books and uh, I, I'm not a big book reader, but I, I tried to read some of those and they're just really, really detailed. And uh, so I just depend on the movies to give me the facts, you know? So I was glad Solo came out just for that reason, just so you can figure out where did this guy come from, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, I love it. I've got a whole office full of Star Wars stuff. I love um, kind of world building type of series like that, where I, I would clump together like Star Wars. Of course, there everybody has their own opinions, sure. But Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and even the Harry Potter series, all yeah. three of those create these worlds that allow you to step outside of your reality for a little bit and just kind of set your reality aside. And if yes. you'll if you'll allow yourself, you can go on the adventure too. And I, for me personally, I feel like some video games are that way where you can interact within the story. Oh yeah. Even some games are are designed to where based on your choices, it'll affect the gameplay. Yeah. Um, And so I, I love things like that because especially right now when reality just sucks, honestly, and you're, you're stuck inside, you're stuck in quarantine or whatever, or you're not technically in quarantine in your house, but you're out, but you have to follow these rules and, and you're trying to stay safe for other people. So yeah, getting to escape reality for a little bit is really nice. No, I think that's key, and and you know those those uh, you know those movies uh, you know spawn so many other different types of uh, uh, of things. But yeah, I think just that uh, like you said, just kind of getting out of your everyday routine and and like being like part of that. I mean, it's funny because even with Star Wars, you know, you've got people who will get in arguments over rebellion versus uh, Empire. You know, yep. literally like, oh, I saw you had a rebellion sticker. I'm not talking to you. You know, it's like, what? Yep. You know, you got the Imperial <laughs> Imperial and and we've even had these long debates, you know, about, you know, well, the Imperial, you know, yeah. Are, are they really the bad guys? I mean, are they the are they the 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 government and the rebellion is the terrorist? I mean, it's like all these like deep conversations. And you're just like, it's yeah. a movie. But yeah, you're right. Just kind of you can kind of watch it and just go into these other worlds. And and, uh, you know, Harry Potter is a great example. And. And, uh, you know, I just don't know of any other movies like that, Lord of the Rings, that have been so uh, generational changing because, you know, uh, like you said, it, there's a lot of people that haven't even watched any of those movies you're talking about, you know, so that's how you aged yourself because yeah. you're going to talk about <laughs> something about, hey, my precious, and they're going to look at you like, what are you calling me? Are you like, on drugs, man? What, yeah, <laughs> what what's your heck? problem? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm going to call police on you because you yeah. are definitely high. Yeah, I the the most recent um it hasn't been become a TV show or a movie. It, it keeps getting dropped for whatever reason like they can't come to terms about budget and whatever is the Dark Tower series yeah. from Stephen King. Have you read that? I haven't read it, but I've, I've heard about it. Oh my gosh, if you like Star Wars and especially like it has references to other 
like world building stories like we we've discussed, but I definitely recommend it's a, I think seven book series and they're thick books, but like it's an adventure. Um, and I definitely recommend that to anybody. It'll, it'll take you a few years to finish it, but it's, it's good. And it's do what? Like the war and peace novel, you know, it's a, how many pages is that? I don't know if you ever heard of that, but that I've heard of it. I haven't read that one. No, you probably won't. Cause it's, ridiculously <laughs> huge and i haven't either but that's what i've always heard is like if something's really long it's like war and peace it's like yeah take a long time to read well i'd love to kind of shift gears into just professional and to kind of kick things off um as kind of succinctly as you can put it what does a typical day in your profession look like whether that's if you want to address it as like police officer or police chief yeah. Whatever that may look um, like so, just to give the audience an understanding of like, what is a, what do you go through on a typical basis? Yeah. So, you know, a, a typical day for, for either, or I'll just start with the police chief is, you know, one of the things we do just like any Monday or any other day is it's kind of coming in and just doing a, getting, you know, information on the night before looking at calls for service that kind of happened, looking to see if there's any concerns or issues that may come up on certain uh, calls. Obviously there's some calls that are more media focused than, than others, you know, a typical car burglary is probably not as uh, as media focused as maybe an assault or a, a fatality wreck or something like that, that may have come up. But, uh, you know, for me, a typical day is just kind of coming in, getting settled and then uh, I have a command staff group, so I have a lieutenants that are over different divisions. I have an assistant chief, so I have a lieutenant over patrol, uh, criminal investigations, one over uh, what I call support services, and there's little divisions underneath those things. So I'll get with those individuals or those lieutenants and kind of visit with them to find out if there's any issues or concerns that we need to address from, a, from, from an administrative level. And then underneath there, there are different supervisors. So, you know, the interesting thing about, you know, a, a typical day for a chief is it's, it's a lot more administrative work than, than the, an average patrol officer who comes on shift. So, you know, everything that I do, I have to look at it from like a, uh, I say like a 20 or 30,000 foot level, everything from a top, because it's more about driving and moving the ship into a direction and, and planning. You know, for us, it's a lot of uh, planning for not only today, but tomorrow and, and five years from now, as far as uh, different different areas of, uh, you know, do we have toilet paper in all the bathrooms? You know, it's kind of crazy to be a chief and have to worry about, do we have all these materials in, in different places and do the officers have the things that they need? And and then, uh, you know, a lot of my time is, is, is dealing with like emails, dealing with other department heads and even dealing with city administration, council, uh, other departments uh, from outside and, and structuring and training and things like that. So, you know, as, as a chief's perspective, it's, I would say some days are boring because it's a lot of administrative work. You know, it's a lot of just sitting down and, and getting prepared and, and, and planned and, 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 and trying to put things into, into uh, an order. So, you know, you have it ready for the next week and the next month and the next year um, and a lot of forecasting um, for an officer, you know, a typical day for them is, is, you know, is different because even though my day could be different, a lot of it's kind of routine where their day is different because they may come in, you know, they, they'll come in and do a, uh, uh, what we call pass down. And that's kind of different right now with the COVID issues, but they'll get together with the shift previous and they'll talk about some of the issues and things that may have occurred on that shift and uh, what they may experience on the, on the, uh, on their shift. So night officers usually um, don't know, like the the burglaries happened and the day officers find out because everybody wakes up at eight o'clock in the morning and finds out the cars are broken into. So, um, you know, that's kind of what they'll, the, the day officers will find out that happened kind of at night. 
but they'll go out get their cars prepped and then they go out and then they just go call for call for call as as they come in so typical calls for them could be 911 uh, calls or hang-ups accidents domestic disturbances uh, a lot of noise complaints kind of things like that on a, on a routine basis so um, so an everyday kind of thing for, for them is it's, it's different because every call is different. Every day is different, but routine wise, it's kind of the same thing where they just kind of come in, get their, their equipment set up and go out and patrol and then just kind of answer for calls. Um, as a chief, um, like I said, of the administrative part, I feel like I have meetings all the time and I have meetings about meetings and we have more meetings to talk about future meetings. And, um, uh, Jeez. there's just a lot of, yeah, it's just meetings and, and uh, uh, it's been different because the Zoom now, with we're having to do a lot of Zoom uh, meetings, but it's been convenient because I'm not having to drive into Austin or drive into uh, San Antonio or something like that. To, yeah, to have def- definitely pros and cons to this whole yes. like Zoom stuff. <laughs> for, for me, even I was finishing like cleaning up some stuff in the house right before this and I just walked in here. I already had it set up and okay, here we go. You know, yeah. don't have to drive anywhere. Oh, yeah. No, and, and uh, you know, some of the meetings, it's funny, you know, we talk about like, hey, uh, you know, you could go work out and then have a Zoom meeting, throw on your uniform shirt and be in shorts. Nobody yep. would know the difference. You know? Nobody would know. Yep. They don't even know. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it's, that's kind of a typical day. It's just, I feel like there's a, you know, I always joke with, my, with Michelle about this is, you know, I wanted to do a job where I didn't deal with math and having to write a lot and talk a lot. And I became a chief and I do a lot of math. I do a lot of writing and I talk a lot. And uh <laughs> I do the very things that I didn't want to do a, a long time ago, but um, in the but words I think of the great just, you know, Michael Scott, my how the turntables, my and how the turntables exactly. So, you know, I think as a chief, you know, you you have to be a, a, a you know when you come in, you also have to be a coach and a motivator, and uh, you know people look to you for uh, for the guidance. If you're stressed or freaking out, then they're going to start being stressed and freaking out. So, you know, a lot of it's just going down and just talking to the to to the uh, employees in every area. Um, just to, you know, kind of get their perspective on some things. So, you know, and that's important because I think a lot of chiefs miss that is they don't, they don't get, they don't get down and talking to their people and kind of feeling out what the problems are at that level, you know, because uh, there's a lot of things they don't tell you, you know, chief, yeah. they don't want to bother you with it. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's, there's always that uh, filtering process that takes place, you know? Yeah. Okay. If I tell somebody like, I'll put it in my own shoes. If something happens, I, and it's one of those like Elizabeth should probably know about this. Um, on one hand, I have to engage. Okay. If I tell her, will this actually have more of an injurious effect on her? Will it hurt her? Like it disrupt everything that she's taking care of. If so, is there a better time to tell her? Is this something that I actually do need to tell her? Can I solve it on my own? Um, that sort of thing. So I feel like from a police chief's perspective, it's kind of the same thing in, in that, okay, they've already got enough stresses that they're dealing with, or maybe this officer just went to a fatal car crash. Okay. He's juggling a lot. I don't necessarily want to throw this off on him now and just add to his plate. That's not cool. So there's that juggling that you're having to do. And then I guess even for, uh, like if you're thinking of chief Brian Manley, he's probably dealing with so much because of like protests are happening in downtown that he doesn't have a lot of time to go talk to each of his officers and see how they're doing. So that's got to be tough too, because you're, you're trying to do what only you can do as chief. And so that limits your capacity to do other things. Right. You know, we, 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 we use this word spoons and we said, we only have so many spoons and don't ask me, that's something they've say at my house. When, when you're out of spoons, it means you're done emotionally 
from got giving it. giving to somebody. And I don't know where that came from. I got to figure that history of the spoons. <laughs> but um, we we made an episode about batteries. I think that one might fit okay. a little bit more. Maybe maybe <laughs> batteries would be better. <laughs> yeah, you only got five spoons, right? But anyways, um, yes, because you know when you deal with an, a department the size of Austin and and you're a chief of one of the larger cities, it's a little more difficult because they have substations and they're they don't get to see their chiefs. You know, one of the things from some officers that we hired from larger cities, even one from Austin and some larger ones, you know, they're like, man, I see the chief like three or four times a day. I mean, uh, a week, because they just see us because we're there. We're with a smaller agency and it's easier because I know all my officers, I know their families and, and it's so much easier and in the staff because we're smaller. And, and, and yes, I can't even imagine in a city like Austin with chief Manley. I mean, that's difficult to do that. And, and that's where that relationships piece comes in because, you know, when you don't see your chief, you don't know what he's doing and you don't think he's doing anything. And uh, you know, and a lot of people probably think that about chiefs is they just sit in their office, look for things to make other people do. And um, uh, when it's, it's not the case, you know, it's, it's trying to make sure your officers have the best things that they have on top of, you're not only juggling your department, but you're juggling the needs of your community and you're juggling the needs of your council and you're juggling the needs of your city manager. And if you think of kind of a scale and not one where there's one on each side, but a, a scale with four different um, trays to weigh on, and that's difficult to try to balance all that, you know, um, but you kind of have to, you kind of have to find a way to do that. Yeah. You got to get more spoons, more spoons. Yes. <laughs> I'm Not tracking. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> what would you consider is your greatest professional accomplishment so far or at all? I mean, I say so far, cause I'm assuming you're going to be either a police chief or in some type of law enforcement for at least a few more years, you know, so yeah. maybe so far or at all, what would you say is your greatest yeah. accomplishment? You know, one of the things I feel has been, and we're still working on it, it's still, we still do it, is instilling um, the, what I call the service first attitude or service first mentality or motto into each one of my officers on a consistent basis. Um, you know, when, when we talk about service first, it's, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, I just came up, thought of and invented. You know, if you remember, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Dragnet or uh, any of those old shows, but, um, you know, Los Angeles Police Department on the side of their car, you know, and you see it on a lot of police cars, it says to protect and serve. And uh, one of the things I thought about when I became chief, because it was like, you know, hey, what do you, how are you going to make your mark is, is I said, well, you know, what, what, what can I do to, to, to be different than anybody else? Or what they do is, is I took that protect and serve and I put the serve service first. And to serve and protect because in police work, you know, one of the easiest thing to do is to protect something. I could tell you, Micah, right now, I say, look, there's this box. I need you to watch it. You're going to watch it, right? You're going to sit there and not let anybody mess with it because that's easy. Do this and don't let anybody do this and you can do it. But the service part is the hardest part because you have to basically do something sometimes, like we said earlier, you don't really want to do, but you need to do it because it's the right thing to do. And that's, you know, helping somebody, putting the needs of other people before yourself, because unfortunately, as human beings, we're fallible and we're selfish. We're always selfish. We're going to try to do what's best for ourselves. But in police work, we need to put the needs of others first. That's not only community members, but other officers, other department members and all that. So we pushed a service first uh, motto out to our department. And it was a point where I'd asked an officer, a young officer, what our motto was, and he didn't know. And I thought we were really pushing this message well, and we weren't. So we started a campaign on just pushing this positive uh, servitude to our department 
and and not only just constantly putting it in front of people but also rewarding those officers that do those things publicly so if you look on our facebook page we do what's called the chief's coin and i give those out to officers that go above and beyond i'm not talking about you know something where they did life saving those are this that's different this is something to where if they just did something where they put the needs of others before themselves and and it, it was just one of those things where you know the person said hey the officer did this or that or or another person in the department said hey this officer went above and beyond by 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 doing this for us i'll give them what's called a chief's coin and we and we put that on uh, on facebook because we want to reward positive behavior and we think just like with with your kids and i'm not saying officers or kids but with your kids they'll do what you want them to do naturally when they know that it's the right thing to do and and they're rewarded for that so they're given this this coin yeah. so much to the point where we have this program called guardian tracking which basically people can track on there when there's a complaint or when there's a, an issue come up good and bad for officers that in this this program we got a phone call from the company and they said hey we have this weird anomaly because we go back and look at all the departments that use our our system and we found that you have an over overabundance of positive comments in your in your in your system than any other department that we do nationally. What are y'all doing? And we said, well, we 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 empower other officers to to write comments about other officers that are doing good work. And the chiefs can do it, the sergeants can do it, officers can do it, community members, when they send an email in saying, hey, this officer did a great job, we add it into this system. And I think that has promoted this, this not, not like, hey, I want to do this because I want a coin, but I want to do this because that's what we're supposed to do. And we've instilled in, the, in our officers that, that what their job is is to serve people, regardless of any factor that they have, even the ones that don't like them, that are angry with them, that they need to put that servitude first. So if I say there's any accomplishment that we, that we have that we're still working on, because it's still a work in progress, because we have new officers that come in that we need to instill this in, is, is that you know, the, the positiveness of what they do and, and making sure they do the right thing, not looking the other way and, uh, and, and serving one another, but also serving those in the community. And I get so many compliments and emails. I've got like five right now I haven't even read from, from people that are saying, hey, I interacted with your officer. He gave me, you know, he pulled me over, he gave me a ticket, but he was professional and it was real nice. And, and, yeah. and I love that because, you know, um, it shows me that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and what we're preaching on a constant basis. We all have bad days and I'll have a guy that says something dumb or does something dumb and we have to address that and we'll fix it. But in the end, when you talk to them, they, they know that what they did, I knew, I, I knew I messed up when I said yeah. what I said. <laughs> and, uh, because they know that's not our philosophy. Yeah, that was something even I was thinking about going into this conversation um, yesterday on my way home from, actually, I went to Nine Round and then I stopped by Humble Pipe, which I have their their logo on my shirt right now. Yeah, but, I saw that. Um, good place. If you haven't been there, it's pretty fantastic. Just opened not too long ago. But on my way home, driving down Hero Way West, and there's always police officers stopped, like they're in the, there's like a, a random driveway that goes to nothing uh, in this right. like field. And there were two sitting there in the typical police car fashion where they're <laughs> angled different directions sure. talking. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking like, if I was pulled over right now for any, just whatever, just pick something. If I was pulled over, would I be angry if I knew that like they were completely justified in what was happening? And then 
what would I say to Chief Minton tomorrow? You know, and and I just thought about it and I was like, you know, I don't really have beef if like if you're doing something illegal, you should be addressed with the law. You know, yeah. that's factually just how we keep society in an organized fashion is right. you have the boundaries and you maintain them. Um, to me, it's like a classroom. I have expectations and I keep them clear and consistent. And then surprisingly, relationship thrives. So to me, I was like, okay, if a police officer pulls me over right now and I'm speeding even three miles per hour over. Now, is that worth his time? I don't know. It's three miles per hour over. Maybe I'll have certain limits where you're like, eh, it's up to your discretion. But I, I wouldn't have beef with him if he gave me a ticket. You know, right. I was in the wrong. Now, if that officer, like you said, says something sideways and I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you can yeah. do your job and not be a jerk. There's a, it's a possible thing. You know, um, if I'm giving you lip, then sure. And then I brought it on myself. But anyway, I was just thinking about that. And as you're talking, um, I, I actually did have, uh, an encounter pretty neutral. He's actually a pretty cool guy. I don't have no idea what his name is. Uh, he pulled in to, I live right across the street from Baghdad elementary. Okay. And, yeah. And I, I've never seen a cop pull into this little area by the trash cans and he was facing my house and he had been sitting there for a while and I had this, the AC guy out cause we, our AC broke. And so I just had this kind of weird, like, you know, well, I did call the cops on somebody on 4th of July because they were setting fireworks off in the elementary school, like yard area. Oh, wow. And I was like, okay, it's one thing on your own driveway. If you get caught, you get caught. I'm not going to call the cops on you. That's just kind of your own fault if if people get caught on it or whatever but you're you're literally lighting fires in the yard that is yeah. just brown of a school so i called the police and they were like we're very overwhelmed right now i'm like doesn't surprise me um we're very overwhelmed we only have so many officers if we can get somebody out there we will so i thought you know what this guy's pulled over i'm going to i'm going to walk over there and just ask him like how his day's going if anybody ever checked this thing out, there's still a bunch of fire. I think even right now there's still trash out there. Um, and the, the thing we connected over was he had the same lunchbox. Uh, he's oh, wow. got one of these like uh, meal prep lunch boxes with all the Tupperware and all that that you can put in it. And I just remember he was, once we kind of broke the ice at first, he was kind of just very black and white point blank. Just, Nope. I'm just sitting here for another call that's what's going yeah. on started talking about the lunchbox and he's like oh yeah man this thing makes life a lot easier for me and it was just all of a sudden i, I got this feeling of okay at least this police officer is interested in, in doing his job and is not opposed to talking to just a normal average guy right. um, walking up to his car uh, so i i do appreciate what you're doing because i've kind of felt the ripple effects of that and uh, i do like I said, I just, I appreciate that. Um, I'd yeah. love to, I'd love to give you the floor. I know we're, we're getting close to the end of everything, but we're kind of getting to the, unfortunately the, the meat of what this conversation could be from a professional side of things. Yeah. Um, although the intention was to connect with you on just a personal, like Greg Minton is his own person outside of being police chief Minton, you know? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I'd love to just give you the floor is we have some other specific questions, but just in general, how are you feeling about and handling the current climate that's been created by society for police? I know that just to give some context, even when I talked with Alvin and Kivon um, on my, what ended up unintentionally being three episodes worth of content, there's always a spectrum of responses to literally any situation. And unfortunately in the media, 
they're going to pick the two polar opposite ends to highlight and promote and because it gets attention. Right. I fully understand that the majority of people tend to fall in between those two poles. So I would love to know just from your perspective, you know, how do you feel about all of that happening right now? You know, when, you know, there's, there's significant points in, in your law enforcement career that, that, stand out the most when, when you have situations like this, you know, the Rodney King situation, 9-11, you know, there, and, and this one that, that happened to uh, in, uh, in Minneapolis with Mr. Floyd, you know, it, it, um, it's tough because it's so, when you, you love what you do and the profession you do, and you know your officers personally, and you know how your department is, to see um, uh, your department attacked to the point where it's like, you know, the, the acronym you see ACAB, all cops are bad. You know, that one used to, it still frustrates me because we know not all, all cops are bad. And, um, you know, this was tough just because, you know, you know, I've dealt with some of these situations already through my career where there's been this up and down for, for the police. Um, but some of my young guys haven't, and some of them were kind of like soul searching, like, am I, do I need to do this job? Do I need to be, you know, everybody hates this kind of thing. And I'm like, look, it's not everybody. There's, there's a, a percentage of, 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 uh, of individuals that will never like the police or don't understand the police. And, um, and then there's going to be those that are supportive that you don't really hear from all the time because they really don't need us or don't, don't have to support us because they don't have to see a need to, because we're the police, you know, we don't, is it really need to be supported? So, you know, the divisiveness, even within, you know, the department and um, uh, of just, you know, how people felt, because like I said, you try not to take it personal because it's not you, but it's your profession when, when you, you know, you're not that way yourself or, you know, your department's not that way because I'll tell you, Micah, there's not one cop in my department that watched that incident on video and said, Oh, the officer did the right thing. You know, he was just trying to arrest the guy. Nobody said that. And nobody hates corruption more than other cops. But, you know, and this is going to go on a little bit to the left on this, but just I think sometimes we just get so we we don't understand what really the police do or what how they're how they're structured or functions or who they are as people because it's an entity because we watch TV shows and movies about what things happen in police work and law enforcement. And we get this perspective of it when it's totally off the mark. My kids hate, my wife hates when I watch cop shows with them because I pick out all the stuff that's dumb. And, it, it's <laughs> and she hates, they hate that and they only want to watch them with me. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, at the beginning, you know, it was kind of like, okay, this is bad. And then it just, it, when everything kind of went to riots and I understand protests, don't get me wrong. I think people have the right to protest and they should, when they feel the need to be involved in that. The rioting is just what was scary because, you know, it was just fires and people getting hurt. And I've got a lot of friends at Austin right now that are on that line. And, uh, you know, just hearing from them and just some of the things that were being said and done. And these people don't, you know, that were doing that don't really know them. And, you know, they may have the same interest. They just don't know it, but they're because they wear a uniform and it, it makes them evil, you know, and I think that's just been the toughest part is just trying to, 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 to talk to people about that. But most of the people that I, you know, and all, and Leander's different because a lot of the people that I spoke with that you mentioned as well, you know, we had great conversations. Uh, I met with a hundred black men of America, met with them. You know, I was kind of nervous walking into that meeting because I didn't know if it was going to be, you know, 
uh, angry at and a lot of cussing, yelling at us, but it wasn't, it was, it was a conversation of like, you know, what's going on and how do we, how do we help make this better? And, and I was glad that that was an interest in, in building, like I said earlier, a bridge and not putting up a wall automatically. So just, um, just to pause real quick, that exact situation where you, you, you know, you said, I didn't know if I was walking into, in my own words, a firing squad right, or, or what. And like you just said, it ended up actually being a positive conversation, yes. not positive, like topically, but I mean, just yeah. a productive conversation. And that's the kind of stuff that doesn't get highlighted. And right. so it perpetuates the cycle of ACAB and then BLM. And it's, it, it's like, guys, just to what end? I mean, even with the, and we're, I have a question about this, but just the defund the police thing. Do you understand even what that means? Like right. before you continue to perpetuate it, do you literally want the purge to become reality? Like, yeah. is that yeah. where you want to go? Cause I've, no sane person should want that. Just go watch the, unfortunately series of movies that were made about it you know just go watch that that's not good so do you want to have a productive conversation do you actually want to have a solution to a problem or do you just want to complain because those are two very different things yeah oh no and and you know in and i'll talk about i know defunding was one but you know just the 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 acab you know it, it you know it's my my kids they're on all the apps the social media apps and a lot of their friends who don't really know what's going on would say some stuff and my daughter who is you know like me like would confront them and say so you think all cops are bad and their friends were like yes well do you know my dad well yeah do you think he's bad well no not your dad he's a nice guy you know so not all of them are bad and they're like and what about uh, this guy that you know from church that's a cop well he's he's cool so they're not all bad, you know, my daughter yeah. had to try to fix that. And I'm like, babe, they, they're, they're just, they don't understand. And I know that not all cops are bad. And, and, uh, uh, you know, that's just something that people say or do. And, and, uh, but you know, it's been tough on them because as cops, kids, they see these things and they're in these social circles. And, and, uh, uh, so, you know, they, they, I've already told them, don't try to defend anything. It's okay. Because the people that do know me know I'm not that way. You know, they don't, they don't think that they don't even, they're not even thinking about us. They're thinking about some other department, but it's like, you know, I know there's it. So yeah, it's been, it's been a challenge and it's, it stroke up a lot of conversations in my own home. So, um, yeah. And then you're talking about defunding. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah. I know in the community forum with our church, every police chief, and this, this was shocking to me, like just personally, I, I didn't know what to expect. But yeah. I was like, oh, snap, okay. This And for, for some context, my wife and I were on our anniversary trip and uh, Kivon had sent us both an invite to this community forum. And literally with like minutes of, uh, with the minutes of it starting, we're like, well, we're on our anniversary. Do we want to like watch this and be a part of it? It is very important to us, but it's also our five-year anniversary. Like right. <laughs> which direction do we want to go? Do we want to enjoy or like be totally engrossed in what's happening? So we, we watched this for a little bit and we conveniently watched this exact point where every police chief said that they agreed with the concept of defund the police to the degree that each of them understood it and that that was the that was kind of the linchpin in the whole thing of how do you understand it and then do you agree with that and so in your own words i i i know the answer to this but in your own words what does that phrase mean and what does that look like in reality for the leander police department Sure. So, you know, the, when, when defunding, they talked about defunding at first, 
you know, I was like you, I was like, why would they get rid of police departments and, you know, and just that whole thing. And then I started really diving into researching it. And there's two philosophies of thought, like you said earlier, one is to do the purge and get rid of every police department in the world and not have any cops. And the other one is to really dig down and look at some of the things that you have in your department that you probably don't really need and maybe take those funds and re-divert re them to other programs. So, you know, for my department, for example, you know, one of the things that uh, in our county that we deal with is a lot of mental health issues with mental health calls and, and mental health individuals. And unfortunately, officers, they get 40 hours of training, maybe 80 hours of training in dealing with this. And they're, they're basically, you know, learning from a book and from a teacher on how to deal with this situation and then having to go out there to apply it instead of having a professional who deals with mental health as a career deal with the situation. So, you know, some of that in when when those chiefs were talking about is there's probably some programs that money doesn't need to be into that can be used and diverted into programs like that. So we have mental health professionals dealing with mental health issues and not cops going out there and dealing with those kind of things. So how that looks for Leander is different than how it may look for Austin. You know, we don't have things like a aviation unit, helicopters, mounted patrol. We don't have motorcycles and all those kind of things. So, you know, not to say that those aren't important or important for Austin, they probably are. But if Leander had a program like mounted police and we just wanted it because we thought it'd be cool to have a, a, a police horse, but we really don't need it. That's probably one of those things we would say, hey, if we're spending X amount of dollars on this, why don't we dissolve that and put it into this and into this mental health program um, and do that instead. So um, Leander's just more unique in that because a lot of the things that were going on and the complaints about the defunding parts, we're already doing in our own department as, um, and, and because we're a nationally accredited agency through a CALEA program, it's called CALEA. And uh, a lot of the issues that were going on that other departments don't do, we already do. So, but, uh, um, uh, but on the defunding part, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's caused us to go and look at our budget and go down and say, okay, what are the most important pieces that we have? And is there anything on here that we don't really need um, uh, that we can focus on on other things? And, and uh, we've done that in the past where we, like right now we have a, a victim services uh, coordinator we, we didn't have before because we knew that that was an important piece. So we diverted you know, budgetary funds instead of asking for officers is we need this position. Um, so we have somebody who can handle those people who are dealing with crisis in their life and not a cop that shows up and tries to tell you, hey, you know, somebody passed away in your family like I had to do when I was an officer. We've got a person now that does that that can deal with that. And I think even if in with this uh, whole mental health movement part, um, hopefully that, you know, we've got a mobile outreach teams now with Williamson County that can help uh, dealing with homeless people or people that are having crisis. So you know, I just think it's it's every chief's responsible at looking at their budget annually to see if the money that they have can be diverted into other programs uh, that could help. So I don't support the disband the police uh, defunding uh, aspect because abolish, I, I think that yeah. yeah or abolish the police. I don't think that's the answer, but I think every department needs to look at their funds and just see is there a, a better way to spend this in certain areas. Yeah, the the idea of um like mental health issues one of the first of all uh my friend daniel gary which she would be totally fine with me saying her name on here yeah. uh daniel gary said i love chief men i told i asked him what they were doing about you know um handling s citizens who have autism 
Uh, and you know, what do you do with that? And next thing I know, they're doing a training about it. So I was very excited yep. about that because her, her son has autism. So uh, she was very concerned about that because they, autistic people behave differently than yep. non-autistic people. And so um, if you don't know how to address that, it could get bad very quickly. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, why aren't you responding to my commands? Why don't you understand like, you know, get down on there, something like that. It could escalate very quickly if you don't yep. realize what's happening. Um, one of the, uh, this isn't um, like a, a question I, I previously wrote, but just one of, I feel like this is easy for you. Um, one of the arguments that I've heard is like, if you're a mental health professional, then have you ever dealt with somebody high on PCP? No, you know, that's going to be a big difficulty for you. So what, I know that's a very nuanced, like, well, what about this A hypothetical, you know? So yeah. if you're diverting funds to a mental health, for lack of a better term, department, do you see that potential? I'm not asking you to solve the whole problem right yeah. now, but uh, do you see that as like maybe having some either former officers or officers that want to transition to specifically deal with mental health so that they have like the, the police training but then also they specialize in mental health. Is that kind of the course of action or is it like you involve police officers and psychiatrists and people who are willing to do that sort of job? I mean, what does yeah. that functionally look like? So typically your mental health, uh, off, they call them mental health officers. They're, they're officers. Even it was like five, 10 years ago, maybe it was five years ago, we had mental health deputies and they're actually police officers that come out and they take that time and they, they are trained in that mental health to what to recognize and to look for. I mean, obviously, if you've got somebody who's having a crisis in the middle of the street, who's nude running around, I mean, you know, that could be PCP. You're going to have an officer there anyways on scene. Typically, your, your, uh, your mental health units that'll come out after the fact, like you'll, you'll call even, a, you know, you deal with the situation, you realize that something's going on, you may have a mental health deputy show up who probably already knows this person because they've dealt with them in the past or has record of this person, knows what the issues are just by the name alone, and already knows what some of the things that they need to do to kind of help bring that person or calm that person down. So in, in, in our area, those were officers in the past. Your mobile outreach are kind of people that would come out and like we had a homeless lady in town who needed some help. And you know, as, as police officers, all we could do was have her move. She couldn't camp in these certain places. So we contacted Mobile Outreach, and they came down and found her a place, and and got to got to know her and find out what her issues were to make sure she had food, and 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 uh, and, and kind of the uh, uh, on the other side of it, where it's not just the cops having to do the, you know, we have no other alternatives in some cases other than arresting somebody, where we may be able to find somebody from from mental health that can take this person and and commit them somewhere, and but they don't have to go to jail, or they get in that fight with with an officer, you know, and when I was an officer, we didn't have this back in the day. I mean, I used to, I don't smoke, I don't dip, but I carried around cigarettes and I carried around tobacco because sometimes a mental health issue that I was dealing with, I knew that if they had a cigarette, it calmed them down. And I knew that because of my experience with them. And I think these mental health deputies or mental health officers um, that if we had in our county would be police officers who can handle these situations um, with the with the training that they have on how to de-escalate faster and better because they have that relationship with this person um, in most cases. So that's cool. So basically the hypothetical is like, yeah, but that's not really how that would occur. <laughs> you know, this, the reality is actually slightly different than what, you know, you're, yeah, proposing. you're not going to send a social worker to somebody who's running naked, 
you know, swinging a bat or a sword in the middle of the street. You're not going to send yeah. a social worker out there to handle that situation. I mean, realistically, a police officer would be there and, and things like that. And, and they already already trained in it. It's just they're not that's not what they do every single day. So that's not their specialty is, you know, they know what the yeah. book says and the training says I need to do. But, you know, your social worker would come out and handle the after fact as far as how to get them help. So we don't have this reoccurring episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I appreciate you answering that. Um, yeah. I know in a previous episode, I interviewed Alvin, who we've mentioned a few different times, and uh, he had a few follow-up questions for you. I just said, you know, hey, I'm interviewing Chief Minton. Yeah. Are there any additional questions that in the however long that community forum was, you didn't get to ask? And I'll just, I'll read these all together first, and then you, know, okay. you can break them down or whatever. What were your takeaways from the community forum? What is the plan for moving forward for the city of Leander? What are your first steps in terms of that reformation? And then what does this look like for you personally as a police chief? So takeaways, the plan moving forward, first steps for that plan, I guess. And if different, you know, what does it look like for you personally? So the, what I took away from the forum and, you know, and, and, and I was like, you know, I felt ignorant in there because, you know, there was a lot of words that were being used that I just never heard of, you know, and I had to look up and, and look up prior to that and some other conversations I had. And what are some know, examples just, just for the sake of the word of anti-racism that was new to me, you know, gotcha. it was like, I've heard of not being racist, but when I, someone said, are you anti-racist? I'm like, what does that mean so before? So I had to look it up. To see, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, you know, um, because, you know, it's not something I've heard. So, you know, like my kids, they come up with words I've never heard of, you know, and I got to try to look them up. So I, I'm cool like them. But in this word, I had, I was like, exactly. oh, okay. Anti-racism means that I need to, to be vocal about not, uh, not condoning racism and saying something, not being silent about it, not assuming people know that I'm way, but make a statement that I'm against racism. So, you know, I think I said in, in, in there was the, the, the letter that I wrote to the community, um, I, not by my city, but that I wrote on my Facebook page, I was told by some other people um, that I shouldn't put anything, don't say anything, you know, and I'm like, I feel like I got to say something, you know, I got to let people know this is, this has got to be said, you know, and I kind of just took a, a chance and wrote that and didn't know how it would, how it would, would people would respond to it, but just vocalizing where our, where I felt and where our department was in this whole situation that we didn't condone it, nor did we agree with it, anything like that. But, but I also took away that, you know, that, and, and it goes back to my ignorances, you know, in living maybe in a bubble is, you know, I, I don't see these things that are being talked about. I don't see the, you know, when they say that, police departments are systemically racist. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, what, what am I doing that's, uh, um, that uh, are we doing something inadvertently that's racist to our, our own officers or our community? So I had to look into to that as well. And, you know, I, had, I, I sat down with every uh, black officer that I had and I had a conversation with them. And I'm like, is there anything our department's doing that you feel that is biased towards you or uh, that you see is, is racist towards you. And of course, none of them had anything. No, everything's great. You know? So I'm like, okay. Cause I've never really addressed them to, to find out as yeah. from their perspective, do they see something that I don't see that or is in my blind spot? You know, because um, when I see all my officers, I see them as blue uniforms. I don't see them as, as black officer, white officer, Hispanic officer, female, male, we're just kind of all blended together. And, and, you know, in, in my, in my mind, um, but I also took from that was even from my meetings with the Hunter Blackman of America was 
I don't fear that when my son goes and drives around that he's when he gets pulled over by the cops that he's going to get shot. I don't know where that comes from. You know, um, I don't know how that's taught because my kids don't I don't think that with my kids. So it made me realize that maybe there is something that is there something we can do differently as police officers. So families aren't afraid of their teenage boys going out getting killed or, or, or shot by the police um, out there because in my 25 years, we've never had this issue. And so, you know, I don't, I just don't see it. So I think it's kind of just made us have these conversations at work um, to talk a little bit more about it. I met with every officer in my department and we talked about this Floyd thing and just talked about how some perceptions were and, you know, it, it, and it's our job to, to intervene. If we see an officer fixing to do something dumb or screw up, your job is to get involved. I mean, we have that in policy, but we want to reiterate that. But to also, in, in, in the other takeaway was to build these relationships with, with people um, like the gentleman you mentioned with you, even doing this. I mean, you know, this isn't something we would have done a year ago, right? This conversation we're having now, yeah. because this wasn't even a, a blip on a radar anywhere. But even to, you know, even with the 100 Black Men of America, they're like, hey, what can we do to get involved in your department so we can build these relationships? And, you know, we're inviting these guys. And I know it's one of maybe the other questions. We have an, a Citizens Police Academy. Come out and do our CPA and learn what the police do, our Junior Police Academy and, and things like that. Um, you know, and, and being more intentional, I think, you know, I think we sit back and just wait for things to happen. But things like this, we need to be more intentional with. And, and uh, you know, we, we have an officer now, you know, uh, and I, I talked to him when we hired him. Um, he's a, uh, his last job was a professional football player, um, uh, Tyrus Thompson. And I said, you know, I, I told him, I said, Tyrus, you have an opportunity to take your story as a black man and as a football player to, to talk to kids and, and maybe have that one-on-one -on -one with them about being a police officer and, and in this community and, and, uh, uh, and, and, you know, using that experience. So, you know, I, I think for us moving forward, it's just being more intentional and, and being involved in things like this and talking with individuals and, and doing that community forum. Again, I was, I was nervous being on there because I, I don't have the answers to the solution to racism and white supremacy and all those kind of things. I can do my part in making sure that that doesn't happen at my department and being more educated and learning about that. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect on that. But I, I feel like when I walked away from it, um, I had a better understanding that there are those out there that are that are that worry and suffer from some of these things. And, and just having these conversations is, has been great because it's kind of opened my eyes and in in, uh, in that. So, um Hopefully that kind of answers the, the, those questions. Definitely. Because I'm still learning. You know, after 25 years, you know, you never stop learning. And this is something that, you know, we've had to, to you know, like you said, you, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, this has kind of brought that to light to make sure even with our policies at our department, you know, are we doing anything that's discouraging minorities from applying and, and uh, we've worked really hard in, in diversifying our department and we're right on the right on the line with the Leander's numbers of diversity versus the PD's numbers and having, you know, the right amount of everybody blended in with our department to kind of meet those those needs of our department. So in our that's community. really cool. So. Yeah, you definitely answered all those questions, um, even just in a very organic, natural way. Yeah. You mentioned something about uh, Citizens Police Academy or something like yes. that. What is that? So we have, so right now, obviously with COVID, we're not doing it, but twice a year uh, we do what's called Citizens Police Academy. 
and that's a 10-week class where we invite people from the community to come out and go through um, a basic, it's an academy of what we do as police officers from our values and views up to hiring to um, uh, situationals like use of force and all those kind of things where people can ask questions uh, and learn a little bit about what police officers do on a daily basis. And they learn about, um, uh, you know, the room clearing and, you know, traffic stops. And we kind of just go through all those hot button topics um, that we see in our, in our, in the, in the news. Uh, we address that through a citizens police academy. And once somebody goes through that, they actually graduate they can go to the next level, which called the advanced, which is a lot more hands-on. And then once they graduate from that, they can become part of our citizens. Uh, we have a Citizens Police Academy Alumni Association, which is all those that have graduated that volunteer and help do things in our police department as part of community members of our department. Um, so they, when we have events, they help us um, at these events, give out literature, have community conversations, but they're not cops, they're, they're civilians. And I hate that word civilian, but they're community members um, that can, you know, help answer questions that aren't coming from a cop. So if someone doesn't want to hear, all oh, cops are going to tell you what you want them to hear, say, then these, these individuals can talk about their perspective with our department from a community perspective. So uh, we also do the same thing in the summer, which is called Junior Police Academy, and that's for 11 to 14. So we can have some interactions with our youth. So we can build those relationships uh, with those in our community as well with our with our young people, because I think that's a missing piece is, you know, cops are either looked at as bad, maybe so we in some in some use, and, and we want to discourage that and, and encourage them and come in and learn a little bit about what we do from a from a that perspective as well. So those are the kind of the big things we do to interact community wise internally. Gotcha. That may be something. I'm interested in once, Absolutely. <laughs> once we can We'd actually have you. go do that. Uh, it's kind of just the premise of walk a mile in somebody else's shoe, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what we, you know, a lot of people that I've asked to be in there have had people that file a complaint or complained on an officer doing certain things. And, and, you know, whether they said they were, did this or that, why they do this, why didn't they shake my hand, all this kind of stuff. So we, I've said, Hey, come to the CPA and learn a little bit about what we do. And, and most people walk away with a positive perspective. Like I just didn't know that I didn't realize, and they didn't shake my hand. It's because they didn't want to give their weapon hand up. And, you know, um, I didn't realize that's why they sat with, you know, when they did a traffic stop, that's why they stand where they stand. And, you know, it, yeah. it just kind of, there's no secrets. We tell you exactly what we do. So you understand when, in the, that you, you know, when an officer, if you interact with an officer later and he's, standing a certain way or he's doing saying certain things then you kind of know why and i think that's the big question is the why's to things when people figure out know why we do what we do it's like oh now i understand you know yeah the opposite is if i don't know why i'm going to make up a reason why usually yes what i think the, it is yeah so. the benefit of the doubt doesn't always exist i mean as much as we wish that it did and even in marriage i i like to think that i give elizabeth the benefit of the doubt but still I could be wound up about something totally outside of her control. And sure. then she says one thing and I, there's no benefit of the doubt. I'm just, I'm tanked. And so I just say whatever is on my mind. Yeah. Um, yep. And it doesn't, doesn't help all that much with just kind of the idea of, you know, why officers stand where they stand or why they do what they do. And I, I didn't even think about why an officer wouldn't shake my hand. But as soon as you said why they don't shake your hand, I thought, cause they don't want to, who knows, what you would do as soon as I grab, if I'm a jujitsu expert and I yeah. grab an officer's hand, 
that immediately opens up a lot of opportunity for me and not for the officer. So of right. course I'm, you know, there's, there's safety precautions. And I know that every police officer, at least from what I've been told, goes into a new situation with a certain level of apprehension and awareness of, I don't have any idea what could happen right now. Yeah. And you yeah. do that because of survival. You, you don't know what you're going to walk into. So you have to be careful. So whenever the, uh, the officer was parked across the street from me, I, I walked up and when I got close, I, I just started waving like, yeah, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm present. I'm here. I don't want to surprise you. You know, I'm not trying to surprise you, shock you, whatever. And then whenever he rolled down the window, I, I still stood a little bit away because I was like, yeah. I don't want him to feel like I'm a threat. I'm a big guy. I'm six, three and two forty. So, I mean, I, I'm a bigger individual. I don't want to give him any reason to feel like nervous about something. You know, that's just, I don't need to do that to him. He doesn't need that stress today. You know, so yeah. I, I know there are some things, but what kind of tips or advice do you have for just general public in interactions with police? You know, um, yeah, that's a good question because, you know, uh, we talked about this the other day and, you know, a lot of times when the cops are, are being called somewhere, it's not because there's something good happening. It's because something bad's happening. So when that officer is en route to that location or even on a traffic stop, they, we do what's called condition yellow. When that, when I was just going to say, when you interacted with that officer, he's in this condition yellow, which means, okay, cautious. I'm looking at this guy. I'm kind of sizing him up, looking at his hand. I mean, they're going through this entire thought process as you're walking up to this car. And even on a traffic stop, they're doing the same thing. So they're already going through their mind what they're going to do and what they need to do and where they're going to stand. And, and uh, uh, so you know, they're already in this, this condition. So um, when, when people interact with the police, you know, the, the two things I always say is, you know, uh, obviously, you know, the, the officers should be there to listen to what you have to say and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, typically, you know, when you, when you deal with a situation, even on a traffic stop, and we see where a lot of these go wrong is people get in these arguments about it and what they should and shouldn't do. And, and usually some of those turn wrong and some of those turn fatal. And what I always tell people is, you know, just comply with what the officer, and I know this is talking about submission and people don't like this, but it's complying with what the officer is asking you to do because there's a process where you can complain if something's done wrong. 99% of the time that interaction is going to be on video, both car and on body camera. So anything that officer says or does, if it's inappropriate, is being recorded at that exact moment, which can be addressed later. Because you don't want to get into a confrontation, even if the point where you're being handcuffed, where you fight or run or get in this fight because they usually turn bad, you know, because some people don't want to go to jail or, and I'm not talking about like the bad guy that wants to get away because he's a felon and he murdered somebody. I'm talking about the average person that just doesn't agree with what's going on. They get in these large debates on the side of the road and they don't, they, and they, don't, they refuse commands and those kind of things. And even though they may not seem like it's something you want to do, if you just follow through that, you'll get through the process because in the end, everybody goes home. And that's kind of the key is the officer goes home safely. The driver goes home safely. And then if there's an issue with that, um, uh, it can be handled later in a, in a complaint. Um, you know, on traffic stops, it's funny because I talked to my dad about this and my dad's from the school where you get out of the car and you walk to the officer, you know, you don't do that anymore. You know, yeah, that's it's, a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. That's what my dad always, he still does that when he gets stopped in the officer. He's like, this guy was telling me to get back in the car. He was kind of rude about it. I'm like, dad, he doesn't want you run over on the highway and they don't want you to get out of the car, stay in the car. You know, yeah. and uh, and he's like, well, I just want and to you're like, I would tell you the same thing. Get yeah. back in the car, <laughs> like, stay in the car, you know, and and uh, uh, but, you know, there's those that get out of the car still and, and officers, you know, they'll tell people to get back in the car and they're not trying to be nice. Like, hey, sir, can you please get back in the car? They're like, get back in the car, you know, and uh, uh, just get back in the car. You know, uh, I always tell people too, and in the nighttime, turn on your light, just 
put your hands on the steering wheel so they can see that. Don't reach for anything in the glove box like your insurance card. If asked, let them know what you're doing. And it's just, it's, it, I know it's a lot to think about, but just that interaction, I can guarantee you, like you said, if, if, if it's as positive as it can go, you know, the officers in my department will bend over backwards to do the best they can to help you in any situation. But they're human beings, and when somebody starts spitting at them or yelling at them and demanding and, and, and that kind of thing, then they're not going to probably be as helpful as they should uh, because they're just going to want to diffuse the situation and get in and get out and, and do what they have to do. So, But, you know, it, 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 like you said earlier, you know, I think, you know, the officer, when they pull somebody over, they deal with something in a, a situation, you know, the, the people they're dealing with sometimes can set that tone. And if you can set that tone just you know, more on the positive side, then I think things are going to go smoother. The end result may still mean somebody goes to jail because you, you violated a crime or you may go to jail. But, you know, it, it's how you get to that point, to the car, to the jail, you know, and, and whether there's, you know, the fighting or the resisting or, or things like that. So it's just the best thing is just to comply, you know, um, when you can comply. And, and I think things will go a lot smoother in most, in most of those cases. And I'm talking generally. Yeah. You know, I feel like a lot of those issues at our department, but some places do. I feel like everything you're saying is with the gigantic qualifier that, um, you know, in cases like George Floyd, that's not the way a police officer should have interacted in the first place. So what what you're talking about is a typical, like get back in the car. I'm not detaining you or anything. (laughs) Just get back. It's for your own safety. And I don't have time to explain this to you. Just get the heck back in the car. Um, So this is all with the qualifier of like, we're, we're not discussing, police tactic strategies that right, right. we could argue about all day long or, or probably agree with um, of that's way too much excessive force, that sort of thing. We're just saying in general, turn your light on so the officer can see what you're doing at nighttime um, or at least have your hands up on the steering wheel so they can see your hands without them even having to ask. That's something yeah. that I, I do. And I, I know I'm, I'm a white guy. So historically I'm, I'm not as much of a threat, but I'm, I'm a white male who again sure. is a little bit larger. Um, and especially in Texas, that tends to mean you're carrying, even though I currently don't not cause I'm against it. I just haven't spent the money towards it quite yet. Um, but nonetheless, I still try to take those steps to mitigate anything that could happen. And in the case with the, again, the officer across the street, I could tell that please forgive my do- dogs barking in the background, <clears throat> the whole herd of them. Um, <laughs> the pack. But when I addressed him, I could tell there was some, some apprehension, but it felt like professional trained apprehension yeah. uh, at first. And I don't know if the average citizen is, is going to necessarily feel that right off the bat. Being a teacher, you get very attuned to body language uh, of oh, your yeah. students because they're not always going to ask you what they're really feeling. Um, so I saw that and I just thought, okay, what's something we could connect on? And I glanced down, I see the lunchbox. I'm like, okay, I, I have very much been into fitness and everything. This lunchbox is perfect for that, all that. We connected on it. And I could tell there was a little bit of an ease that developed suddenly when we started like, okay, I'm not a threat, man. You know, I'm, my hands are very visible. I talk with my hands typically, so you can see them right out in the open. And I could tell that in, in a very weird sense, but totally with what you're saying, I controlled the outcome of yeah. that conversation. And even if in a dramatic sense, if I had been arrested, the way that I handled that could also determine the severity of punishment. So, you know, if all of a sudden it, it goes from man arrested to man assaulted police officer and then was arrested, well then that's a very 
different situation. Again, with the qualifier that we're talking about typical, normal police interactions, not, not the historical news item that's on national news. We're just talking about everyday living in Leander kind of stuff. So I, I really appreciate you saying that kind of in line with that going from tips and advice to just encouragement. What encouragement would you give to those listening, whether that's how we interact with one another or um, how we would interact with police, what we can do to contribute to community. The police Academy thing sounds like a great idea to do that, but just kind of wrapping up things, what encouragement would you give to us listening? You know, the, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, it's kind of where we started off with it's relationships mean everything, you know, and, and how we network, you know, if you don't know who you're, your chiefs are, get to know who they are, look them up and look what kind of person they are, or talk to them. You know, I know it's hard for larger agencies because you're not going to be able to get through probably to, to, to one of the larger ones, but get to know the, your, your police to, departments and see who they are and look into what type of departments they are. Um, you know, we have community events all year round, with, obviously not with COVID-19. I got, we have to put that caveat out there, but, you know, and, and when you see those events, it's just participate. You know, we do national night out. We do junior police kind of coffee with a cop. Uh, we have trunk or treat that uh, we try to connect so many ways and and we we want to just connect with those in, in our community uh, uh, as much as we can and and through those other junior police academies citizens police academies and and uh, uh, if you have a business you know you know have your business involved with with your local law enforcement as well and um, because you know I've learned that even with this you know it's it's when you have those relationships and you know somebody and even like this relationship you and I have now, I mean, you know, Greg and Micah, right? If you had a question that came up and you said, Hey Greg, I got this question that I heard in this podcast or something. And you would have someone to call from, from the chief's office. And if I, you know, chiefs don't know everything. I can tell you that right now. I'd say, you know, Micah, that may That's be a, a shocker. Question. Say that again. Chiefs don't, what? Chiefs don't know everything. You're expected me. to, but the reality yeah. is just, you don't, you you're don't. not every officer, you know? No, but I have experts in areas where if you had a question about, um, you know, traffic law and, and something, I could refer you to my sergeant who handles that, that could sit down and have a two hour conversation with you about traffic law because he loves it, you know, or if you had a question about our, our accreditation, just anything, you know, we can refer you to anybody in our department that can help you figure out what you need to know about what we do. But, but, you know, I just, I, I was told by a chief who's no longer a chief because he's since retired and it wasn't mine. It was a, a chief from a class that I had that, he said his agency got too big to do that stuff anymore and to build relationships with people. It was just kind of like on autopilot. And I, I just wholeheartedly disagree with that because, you know, I make myself available. Somebody calls and I email, I don't hide behind the, the, the curtain, like wizard of Oz, uh, you know, it, I, I, to a fault, if there's somebody that says something that's crazy, I try to interact and change their mind just to kind of tell them, Hey, that's not how it is with our department. Cause I love my department enough that I take it personal when someone says we do something wrong. And if they say we do something wrong, man, I dig into it. I try to fix it. And I dig into it and I make sure that it's taken care of if it's something that can be taken care of. But, you know, um, but we have to be intentional with these things. And, and, you know, when I, again, when I talked to the hundred black men of America, you know, they were like, Hey, we want to be part of your CPA. And our rule is if you don't live in Leander, you're not supposed to be part of it, but you know what? we're going to let them come in and be part of our group and because we want them to understand what we do. And some of those guys live here. Some live in Cedar park. doesn't matter. We're going to let people join, join this thing. So they get a better perspective of what law enforcement is and they're stepping out and, 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 and having those and just having these discussions like today, being part of the mosaic church discussions 
is just, you know, I've met some people through there, you know, via Zoom and on email that I know I could reach out to if there was a question that I had, maybe about um, a perspective from an African American, you know, I need to know, what is your perspective on this, you know, and I can also use that same perspective internally, but, you know, from a community perspective, you know, how does this look from, 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 from how you see it, and, and, uh, uh, you know, so, you know, if I had to say just, you know, encouragement, it's just, we both, both sides, both groups, communities and citizens and police both need to reach out. And, and if there's a question, ask it, you know, and let's, and if I don't know the answer or we don't know the answer, then we got to be able to say, we don't know and help me, help me figure it out. Because if, yeah. if we're going to just, you know, be defensive and, and try to be perfect, we're going to fail because as a human being, I'm not perfect. And I learned still, and and uh, and like I said, we we're looking at everything that we're doing to make sure we're in line with it. And even in our, our in, you know, in the members in our community, you know, if there's something that they see that just doesn't look right, or they want to see different or change, um, you know, call us, let us know what we can do to 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 do that. But you know, just participate. We have to do the same. And and I think we're looking yeah. at other ways to be involved in our community, um, in different areas, and in, in town hall conversations and. HOA meetings and just we do a lot to just try to build those um, because again it goes back to what I said earlier the bridges versus walls you know we got to build those bridges so yeah. people can come across both ways yeah and, and building bridges even from a figurative sense is a new process it's not repair bridges all right. the time it's literally right now we're figuring out you know even like you said I didn't know these terms. I didn't know what anti-racist was. I didn't, yeah. per, me and Micah, I didn't know what anti-racist was until I went to Mosaic Church and I was like, oh, that's yeah. totally different. Because I grew up yeah. in between um, a Hispanic family on one side and a family literally first generation immigrants from Ghana, Africa. And I yeah. didn't think twice about it. So I've always, in my mind, I've been a non-racist, but that's like a, a passive stance for those listening. It's being non-racist is passive. Anti-racist is active. So right. being anti-racist is saying, no, what's happening is wrong. And I'm willing to say that. That doesn't yes. mean just to be perfectly clear as case in point by Chief Minton being on here, that does not mean that I hate police. It means that, and even as we've agreed, what happened with that particular police officer was terrible. He yep. should not have done X, you know, and being able to say that out loud does not mean that I hate police officers it means that i want to stand up for what's right period right yep. um and so I, I wish that more people understood that as a connection piece just as we finish up um i always like to point people in the direction of ways they can connect with you you mentioned yeah. the leander police department facebook page is that the best way to connect with you is there a website that we could go to to maybe look into that citizens police academy yeah so we have a so we're on the three probably i don't know if they're major platforms anymore i know there's new ones but we use facebook twitter and instagram are the three ways people can connect with our department. We post a lot of information on that um, uh, pretty much weekly about things that we're doing, calendar events, um, also updated crime information if we're looking for it. You know, we, we rely on our community to help us with uh, some crime issues where burglaries or we have pictures of people and they've been real successful. We call it our Leander uh, crime, crime Watch team, uh, Crime Stoppers team as well. Um, we what's, also have, what's the oh, handle? Sorry. What's the handle for Twitter and Instagram? It's at what? Uh, I, oh my gosh, you're going to catch me on that one. I have to look that up. I think it's Leander <laughs> PD. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't use them. I don't personally use the Twitter and the uh, Instagram because we, we have it on Hootsuite where we put it through Facebook and it kind of kicks it all through there so I can get those for you. Um, uh, I'd have to look it up when I can look that up. I just don't want to burn your time on here. 
if you, unless you want me to try to find it real quick. Um, You're good. Just uh, what other, I know the, there's a, a page, like a website um, and the Citizens Police Academy. How can we connect? To so that? if you go to, uh, you can go to the city website. It's uh, uh, gov. You can just go down to the police department, and then we have a community service page where you can uh, uh, read all about the Citizens Police Academy. And, and we'll once COVID-19 lifts up, we will uh, – um, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Leander Police. Okay, perfect. I got you uh, covered. Thank you. Uh, you can find out when our next classes are, and then they'll have, like, a sign-up, and then they can email you when all that's kind of set up and ready to go. So um, uh, that's just at our, our generic uh, city website page there cool. um I also, I also have my own facebook page um and it's uh greg minton and you'll see it's a picture of me in uniform so um i put i'll you know i'll also share stuff um you know that's the department sends out department stuff but sometimes i'll i'll do my own thing um over there and and just you know you know like everybody else you know i'll put out some personal things i'll put out some meme stuff and just you know congratulating or i'll share stuff from other departments and pages uh just kind of star wars stuff Star Wars stuff, you know, uh, May the 4th, be with you, that kind of stuff, and Revenge of the 5th when that comes up in May. Um, so we all, you know, we, we try to connect there as well uh, on social media, or they can just use the uh, generic phone number and just call us at 512-528-2800. Uh, um, they can ask for Sergeant Helen Garrett. She's in community services, and she's the one that's in charge of uh, our uh, Citizens Police Academy, Junior Police Academy, and any of our community events. Uh, or community interaction that somebody wants an officer to be somewhere, um, uh, that's who they would call and kind of schedule with. And then we can have an officer at, you know, some areas, like you know, we do a lot with the schools. We have officers in the schools. So we do a lot with them as well uh, through community services and, and just trying to, you know, connect with people in any way that we can. Even the businesses with a coffee with a cop, Chick-fil-A wants to do chicken with the chief, you know, those kind of things. I know they got to find these really corny rhyming words. But, yeah. You know, <laughs> It's cool, I guess, uh, but we're, those are just the things we're trying to do to just really be involved. And, and if someone owns a business, like the the Costa Coffee Shop, they had a coffee with a cop there. Starbucks does it with us. And, and uh, you know, uh, any business can do that so we can make sure we have coffee and, or, or a way to communicate where it's not just like you said, at a, at a bad call or a, a, a traffic stop. It's done in a community setting where we're eating and drinking. Every, the best things happen around uh, food. You know, uh, I agree. Best conversations happen around food. So yeah, in this case, it'd be podcast with police. You know, just podcast with police. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Greg, I really appreciate your time. Uh, this has been yeah, fun, and it, it makes me want to see if I can get you into nine round to come do a workout with me. I just started, and I can't hardly breathe halfway through the dang thing, but um, it's a lot of fun. If you ever are interested. Yeah. What, so they're actually meeting. I mean, y'all can actually yeah, get together. Yeah. They they have a you have to like register your spot. They only allow six people at a time, okay. um, and it's like you have like taped off areas where you know each station is spaced out enough and all that. But it, it's a good time. I actually had I think I told you I had COVID probably a month ago now. Yeah. And one of the residual side effects is like if I had a, a car battery's worth of energy before, now I've got like AAA batteries. So yeah, like I, yeah. I, I tank super fast. Um, so I'm trying to build up that endurance and I thought this would be a fun way to do that. But anyway, I think, I think that'd be something fun to try out or, or maybe we Heck just yeah. grab coffee sometime and talk about star Wars and how some of the episodes yeah. are terrible. Yeah. But. Let's get together after all this is done or lunch <laughs> or something. Love to Heck meet yeah. you in person. 
and again, thank you for this opportunity to be able to to hear what I have to say. I mean, you know, I'm 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 a pretty simple simple kind of guy, but um, you know, there's a a lot of passion in what I do, and I really I love people. Um, and uh, you know, I, if I could fix all this with a a snap of the fingers, I would do it. But I think this is how we do it, one step at a time. And and uh, you yeah. know, we've always got to keep moving forward and and never step back. So uh, everything, even this, is is a positive way to kind of. Uh, interact because I I want people to see me for who I am. It's just I'm just a guy who has a job as a chief, and you know I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a uh, uh, you know and, and uh, an uncle and a cousin, Son, and husband. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> everybody else, and I just I just have a different profession, and and uh, but I want to make a difference in what I do, and not only my community but in the profession itself because you know I want my son. He wants to do this job too, and a lot of people are telling me I'm crazy that I want my son to get involved in this, but my son's a good a good young man. He's got a good heart, and I want good people to be good cops because if we let the yeah. if we discourage the good cops from doing the job, we're gonna get the bad ones in here, and we don't want to go there. So you know, we yeah. want good people to do this. So the so void will be filled. We gotta figure out who we want who to we want fill to that void. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Well, Greg, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a wonderful day. You too, bud. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Chief Minton. Um, I, I really wish that we had more time to, to dive into the intricacies of the Star Wars franchise, but um, I do think that we covered some amazing ground today. I hope that above all else, regardless of what's going on socially in our climate, I hope that even just listening to us have a conversation today, uh, we begin to realize that policemen are people too, uh, and that we can treat them with at least the level of respect of being a human, that not all police officers who we hear about on the news, um, or not all police officers are the same as those we hear about on that, uh, on the news. So, um, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. Again, if you would like to reach out to Greg, uh, you can do so through um, the Leander Police Department's Facebook page or his that he mentioned on this episode. You can connect with the Leander Police Department through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, that's at Leander Police, as I found out on the, on the episode. Uh, but also you can go to the Leander City page if you want to uh, learn more about the Citizens Police Academy. And if you're listening to this from pretty much any other city in the entire world, see if maybe there's something that you could be involved in with your your police department, if that's something you're interested in. Um, and if it's not, I, I would encourage you, whether you support police or not, whoever you might agree with, disagree with, whatever, just get to know them. Um, we seem we seem to be missing out on that a lot right now, and I know that this was good for me even just to have a conversation with Greg to get to know kind of what his world is like. I haven't walked a mile in his shoes, to use the term. Um, again, if you do live within the Leander city limits or the just Austin proper area, uh, if you want to get in touch with somebody in the police department, Helen Garrett is the Leander Community Relations Coordinator, and you can contact her again at 512-528-2800. That's 2800. You can get in touch with her and see ways that you can either help in or get involved um, in some form or fashion. Again, I appreciate you guys listening to the Micah Brown Podcast. If you want to support, a great way to support not only the podcast, but also yourself, as always, is through your Audible trial by going to audibletrial.com 
forward slash MBP. That will get you a free 30-day trial to listen to any books I've mentioned on the podcast. Um, Or if there's just a book you're interested in and you're like, hey, you know what? I can knock that out in 30 days. Then by all means, you can go check that out using that uh, web link I just mentioned. Additionally, support yourself with some happiness by getting Thelma's Treats ice cream sandwich. Um, Right now, it's just hot. It's all get out outside. And I know that an actual genuine ice cream, not not knocking Bluebell, but their ice cream sandwiches are subpar. Okay, their ice cream and gallon containers, fantastic. But I'm not talking about just like the little black cookie thing. It's not even a cookie, let's be honest. On top of white ice cream, vanilla ice cream. I'm talking about an actual chocolate chip cookie on both sides of some fantastic peanut butter ice cream. That is what I'm talking about, and that's the only quality of ice cream sandwich I'll have. So by all means, do yourself a favor, put a smile on your face, go get some Thelma's ice cream sandwiches, and make yourself have a great day. Y'all take care. Love you. Catch you next time.